0: Great expectations is part of the Earth Two Network of Podcasts.
1: Hey, this is Sean. This is Jerry. And this is another episode of the Great Expectations Podcast.
0: Also known as GX Pod.
1: Yes, And we're here to discuss some more on Kenny X-Men issues. You doing alright, Gary? Sean, I'm feeling good. Yeah? Yeah.
2: Yeah?
0: Yeah, fuck the Tigers. Feeling good anyway. Who knows, man, maybe they'll be in the World Series by the time this posts.
1: <laughs> yeah. But maybe. probably not. Probably not.
0: I think it's over. But... We read some awesome issues for this episode, and I'm excited to talk about them. I am as well. Not going to lie. We're wrapping up the Dave Cockrum run on the X-Men, which is a little bit bittersweet. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But we're getting to some of my favorite shit. We
1: are, indeed.
0: And I know that every page that we turn gets us that much closer to Alan White returning to the show. That's true. Gets us closer to a first-time guest appearing on the show on the next episode. Also true. And gets us closer to, potentially, one of my favorite artists of my youth being a guest on the show.
1: We're also closer to you getting a Baron Strucker sketch.
0: Oh, God. People, (laughs) listeners, you are letting me down. I don't know what got into your heads, why you would think anybody would want a Baron Strucker sketch but you've turned on me, and I do not appreciate it. Yeah. So if you think that this will make me perform well on the podcast, you're wrong. I'm mailing this one in. Yeah. You're going to get a four-hour episode of some of Jerry's worst work as a thank you.
1: That'll be our greatest hits. (laughs) We're doing a clip show, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should do a clip show. You think so? You have to edit it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't even know where to begin. There's so much good stuff. There really is. Yeah. Yeah! Listener response can clearly tell that we are knocking this shit out of the park. Yay!
0: You mean because of the vast volume of listener response? Fuck yeah. Yeah. I
1: can't tell you how many positive and negative things I hear.
0: You can't or you won't.
1: I I, I could if there was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And there's the sad truth. And pause for a second while I get another beer. All right. We're doing so well.
1: It is 7.30 in the morning. Jerry's on his (laughs) 17th beer. He really doesn't want that Baron Strucker sketch. I really don't want that Baron Strucker sketch.
0: I'm not going to lie. You know, I would get one. I just really don't want to pay for one. And the real problem is that I don't have a jam piece to put it on. It's, it's going to have to go on an X-Men piece. Tattoo or Guardi- on your back. We need Brian Michael Bendis.
1: Did I get that right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, think I think I've heard of that guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need him to write Baron Strucker into a Guardians of the Galaxy story. Right. As a good guy.
1: Yeah. It could happen. Future Strucker? Yeah. He's turning a new leaf. He's gallivanting <laughs> around space. It's true. Do you think it's possible that Strucker and...
0: Xavier are actually the same guy. No. They're both bald?
1: Yeah. They're both assholes. Man. Later on in some of the issues we're going to talk about today, there's a perfect prime example of me like having the rose colored glasses on when it comes to Xavier. He's a huge dick. He gets better though. He Man. he's uh he's Jeez. got a moment with Kitty right at the end
0: where you're like, Man, but he's right. I think he's right. Some, when you're the teacher, you have to make hard decisions sometimes. And I think, I think you made the right decision.
1: I will bow to your parenting skills since.
0: As a teenager, I was like, he is a jerk. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves though.
1: Yeah. Let's go back. Yeah, let's, back.
0: let's go way back. Let's go yeah, back before...
1: October of 1982.
0: You know what, Sean? We need to go a little bit before October of
1: 1982. Oh, we, we
0: have to go to September of 1982 to do a At recap. least September, because ladies and gentlemen, it's time for...
3: Previously on X-Men.
0: <laughs> in our last episode, we talked about the X-Men who were out in space, and there were adventures had... Kitty and Nightcrawler were captured by the Shi'ar working with Deathbird and her idiot brother Ken, who was a total dickhead. And uh, Professor X was having these hallucinations. He remembered a, an episode in his life with Magneto and that hot Gabby Heller and her near unibrow. And <laughs> what else of significance happened?
1: I, there was someone else in that issue, but I don't recall who they were.
0: Uh, it's probably not important. So, uh in the end, Professor Xavier is freed from the coma that he had been in. The, the brood-induced coma. Um
1: more beers and you're going to be in a brood-induced coma. Oh,
0: totally. I'm drinking brood ale, by the way. D- do they reveal... I can't remember if they said why he was in a coma. Or if just that the brood put him in one. I believe it was the brood put him in one. Okay. Like we
1: told, every time that I'm like... If I ever re-listen to parts of the episodes and I listen to myself go, I think so. That's just code for, I don't fucking remember. Yeah. I should. I feel bad when I don't. But there's a lot of time in between us recording these episodes.
0: Well, we're we're fortunate that we have Claremont writing these books because he is not afraid to reset. That is true. And get you caught up on what's going on. Um Which is what we're doing here. So now, we've re- recapped it. At the end, the X-Men and Princess Alandra are captured by Deathbird
1: and the Brood. Which leads us to... X-Men! Uncanny X-Men number 162.
0: With a, ooh, with a gorgeous cover. Just start there. It's got lots of pinks and purples. And that always pops on the shelf. That's pretty scary. This is one of the most iconic Wolverine-centric covers of all time. Him with the Brood Queen behind him Looks like she's sucking the brains out of his head. Love it, and that's by Cockrum and Wycheck.
1: It opens up with uh, Wolverine. He's clearly escaped. He's running through the jungle of the uh, planet. Yeah, some what planet
0: though, right? I mean, the, this is weird. Like, last thing we knew, they're captured yeah. down and out. And now he's just on some jungle planet. Naked, virtually naked. All that's left are his gloves and his boots and his drawers. Yep. His European briefs, if you will. Hashtag European briefs.
1: Uh, he gets, um, unfortunately, blasted. As he's cutting through parts of the jungle, he gets blasted in the face by some hallucinogenic-type drug, which causes him to, in a his brood-infected state, have a fever dream about him and Mariko Yashida riding around horseback in Japan. Yeah,
0: and Wolverine's then, riding
1: bareback. Yeah! (laughs) In the distance he sees what he thinks are eagles, and he all of a sudden, in his, you know, the narration in his head, he's like, shit, we're sitting ducks here. Tells Mariko to head for the tree line. All of a sudden the little eagles, they get closer and they turn into creepy brood monsters. Scary, right? They blast the shit out of Mariko. Yeah. It's pretty sad. All that's left is an outline in the air where she once was. I kind of like the cool effect that Cockrum did of, like, the kind of the waviness around the borders of the pages. Yeah. Just so you know that it is clearly, like, him hallucinating this. And so then he snaps out of the fever dream, realizes that he is actually being attacked by the brood, goes after him, and this is actually, like, I like when the X-Men fight bad guys, you know, that they can't kill, but there's... And I mean, Cyclops will make a case later on that they shouldn't even kill the brood, but I like when Wolverine, I like this Wolverine when he's like at his lowest and kind of just gives into the berserker. Yeah. And we get to actually see him cut loose because it's like you can't, you can't go bowls to the wall against Magneto or, you know. Wolverine is like that friend of yours that
0: you always used to party with all the time. And then he got married, and he's not allowed to do any of that shit anymore. Yeah. But every once in a while, you go to Vegas with him. Right. This is Vegas, friend. Yep. It's cutting loose. Stamming brood soldiers left and right. So my question, Sean, is when he's having that hallucination, and he's making out with Mariko, was there, like, some creepy-looking alien that he was Tenison's making out a, with that got
1: vaporized? There's a really weird-looking, confused brood. <laughs> Well how else do you think the brood queen impregnated him? Gross. Gross. That's what the cover is. The stinger is in his butt. (laughs) No! No, it is in his butt. I said what what in the butt. I said what what in the butt. So Wolverine's hacking through brood soldiers. He, uh, the ground starts to collapse beneath him. He falls into a giant spider web. Giant. Giant. He is a little tiny speck.
0: <laughs> and, and then it pans out on the next page oh, yeah. and you get a near full page splash of this Akanti corpse
1: that's like half rotted and disgusting looking. I think it looks awesome. I mean, I wouldn't want to hang out there and I'm sure the smell is horrendous, but it's a beautifully drawn page. And I know that everybody always goes on and on about Claremont and his wordiness. Mm -hmm. but there's something about the way that he describes the fact that the rib cage bones like breach the upper atmosphere to the point where like if you were at the top of those bones you wouldn't be able to breathe but down here you can just to show the scale like you get that it's big in the drawing but i mean i think that claremont just adds to it and that's when people start to complain about claremont's wordiness that always gets to me because it's like motherfuckers painting a picture with words shut up you spent 60 cents on this fucking thing. (laughs) Mind your business.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, there are some things that are just difficult to draw. Like, it would be challenging to illustrate that point. And it is, I mean, it's not central to the storyline in any way, but it's, it's cool world building, you know? Like, it should do that. And I said half page, or full page spread, and I meant double page spread, because this thing is massive. But still, I mean, given two pages, you, Still can't really capture the scale of it. So Claremont chips in a little bit. And I think it adds to the story. You're right.
1: And they do the cool little effect just to show you the scale of it where they like one of the the, um I don't even one of the panels is kind of just this floating panel of an up close shot of where Wolverine's captured, but Mm -hmm. it's got a dialogue tag to it, kind of like pinpointing where that is, like in an expanded version on the lower
0: Yeah, and it is a very small space and a very large animal. Yeah. (laughs) So you finally start to get a sense of where the hell he is.
1: And I have absolutely, I would like to say that for the past few episodes, I've definitely been at my point where I'm like not really as in love with Cockrum stuff as I was previous to Burn. Uh But this is one of those moments where I'm like, this is why I got the gig. This is why he he is who he is. Mm -hmm. Like, this looks amazing.
0: I think that um, in this Brood story, this plays into all of his strengths. I think the best stuff he did with the X-Men was always, you know, the stuff with the Starjammers and the uh, Shi'ar, oh, whenever they were out in space. A
1: few issues, we're going to have my favorite thing that Cockrum's ever done. Oh, yeah? And it isn't one of the X-Men.
0: Ooh. He draws the shit out of the Brood. He does. I, but, yeah, I mean... I, I agree that most of the stuff in here is not as strong as the stuff he was doing earlier.
1: Um, it's still great. It's just different. Yeah, That's but, the thing I don't want anything to take any of this to take away from like my love of Cockrum, and especially because I mean my favorite X Man is Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. He gave that character to me, so like I can't right fucking shit on him. I'm just saying that it's this weird like it felt like a slight. I don't want to say it's unfortunate to say a step backwards because it's not really. It's just. No, it just rubber. like it doesn't give
0: you the super boner that that yeah, some of your exactly. favorite art does, but it's it's still really good. And and the one thing I noticed as soon there's th- one thing I love,
1: it's getting a super boner.
0: Well, I mean, you're really happy right now, then. <laughs> when you we're gonna get to <laughs> it finally can reach the
1: upper atmosphere, just like the Acante ribs. <laughs> All right, I'll
0: stop. <laughs> 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 uh, so we're finally. I'm very excited. We're getting to the, the Paul Smith stuff in this very episode. Um But as soon as you get there, you see the change in the storytelling style between Cockrum and PMS. Uh, very different in scale. It, like, the just the, like, the, I don't know, the boldness of the storytelling with Cockrum. It's, like, more bombastic, and Smith is more grounded. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm not very good at this. I'm and sorry. And but but you do to... see a change and, and you notice it almost right away. if you go back again and look at the Cockrum issues again, you're like, wow, he told this the story in a very different way. And I really like both, but you, you're getting something different out of each of them. And I think Claremont writes to their strengths in both parts of the story. Uh and they both kick ass. I would say so.
1: But yeah, this is this is just right for Cochran. perfect so the brood um they they realize that wolverine is down there but they just assume that the savages and scavengers that are down there will take care of them and they don't have to worry about it because i think i think there's a little they're looking for an excuse not to go down there, basically pretty much (laughs)
0: because if you can believe it there are things even bigger and scarier looking than the brood on this planet
1: yeah so as uh wolverine's trying to get his bearings he flashes back to uh Exactly how this started. So we get a re- quick recap of the X-Men right before they were uh bombarded by Deathbird and the Brood. Because every comic could be someone's first comic. This was not written for a trade. This was written for a you should be able to pick this up yes, and get your 60 story. cents worth. Yep. Now you're worth. Oh, 4 I can't
0: believe we're at the point where Which we're at $5 doing? comic books.
1: And even this stuff is really like um if you when you turn the page uh after like Deathbird comes in and blasts them, um, there's this really cool panel which is showing uh Wolverine kind of like waking up from his like the first time that the brood are clearly experimenting on him. And the the artistic choice in there and like the colors reminded me a lot of uh the Neil Adams Roy Thomas stuff with Sauron. Yeah. Like all those So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I kinda thought that was cool. I like, like, I like when you can clearly tell that the the flashbacks and stuff, it just looks like the whole color palette is different for that type of stuff, especially when he's like being affected by what the brood have done to him. Mm -hmm. So Wolverine can kind of tell that he can see the brood, but no one else can. And he's kind of second guessing himself a little bit, kind of wondering, like, have I finally snapped? Like has, yeah. has everything I've ever done in my life finally caught up to me and I finally broke? And why can't anyone else see this? So he's trying to talk to Carol Danvers, who's there, and she's like, No, everything's fine. It's like Not only a thing. Paranoid. Carol's pretty flirty with Wolverine she in this is? arc, isn't she? She is. She is and They've got a pass too. They were <laughs> hanging out in the military
0: together. I, I wanna see more of this. I, how crazy would it be if they reset that? All um, of a sudden, Wolverine dumps Storm, which still—I mean, they—they they still don't seem to have made up their mind whether or not that's a real thing. Yeah. From month to month, from it's book weird, to book, it's, it's really weird. weird. It's so weird. But um, they probably oh, belong together. In
1: the most recent issue of Death of Wolverine, they had a panel where, like, I saw it in the preview and I was like, no, no,
0: no! He doesn't make out with Kitty, does he? Why are you looking at me like that? Hey! That reminds me. I was... We were talking... Oh, Mullins and I, our buddy Mike Mullins, at, at back to the past, we are talking about... You
1: know about, him as at Mullins is a jerk on Twitter?
0: That's right. We were discussing his future appearance to discuss the Ultimate X-Men and how <laughs> you hated the Ultimate <laughs> X-Men. And um, it, it dawned on me, finally, that that whole thing with Kitty and Bobby... Yeah. I, I wondered if it was because they hooked up in the movie. Okay. Ever so briefly. Like that, that timing probably isn't quite right. Right. But I wonder if they were pushing that angle because more movies were going to be coming out. Maybe. Or if it was influenced in any way by that. Or if Bendis or, uh, Aaron. I guess it would have been Jason Aaron, right? was in th- just yeah, thought the that they were a way. good match or whatever
1: it's, it's like this weird thing where like that whole relationship was bizarre to me because like i'm bobby's one of those characters that like i love yeah but every five years it's like it, he's he's like the x-men's johnny storm where somebody has to come mm-hmm. in and goes no i want bobby to be like he was when i was a kid yeah. let's make him the joking idiot yeah and it's like it's just I think that's like the one part of all new X-Men that really frustrates me is that I feel like Bobby is written exactly in all new X-Men like the young Bobby is written exactly like Ultimate Spider-Man Bobby and it's just like mm-hmm. it ain't the same.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I guess I can see the argument that everybody grows out of it, but I know from personal experience that not everybody does grow out
1: of it. <laughs> Fury staring at me right now. <laughs> It's funny because it's true. (laughs) So,
0: like, yeah. I mean, don't you think Bobby would be so much more boring though if he was all if if Bobby turned into Cyclops?
1: Yeah, no, you would hate it, right? Well, yeah, but I think at this at the same time there has to like he can still be joking and mature. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: yeah, poop joke. <laughs> oh shit, Ashley's tripped another circuit breaker. It's Mr. Mint. Whoa! Hey Dennis! Dennis doesn't listen to our show. But probably 50% of our listeners know who Dennis McDermott right.
1: is. It's clutch. <laughs> oh, what'd you get for me? Nothing. God damn it.
0: Oh, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> you are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So that was a digression. Hey, we're back. We are officially back. Digression. Yeah. How do? How well, do we, we get, get on back.
1: There? We got back. We got on there because of Carol and Logan. Possibly right. up, and that led to the whole death of Wolverine.
0: Right. Yeah. So Ooh. yeah, Logan is freaking out, and everybody else is like, "Logan, what's the deal, man? Everything's cool. We're wearing these fancy duds. Relax, man. That fucking space
1: food. Everything's cool." <laughs> Everything's great in space, but Logan's not buying that shit. Yeah, two Shi'ar people come up and they're like, "Hey, Carol, we noticed that you're not a mutant like everyone else, and we were wondering if we could run some more tests." And she just goes, "Yeah, that's fine," which seems weird to me. Yeah, like it just seems like if two people came up to me and they were like, "Hey, buddy, we want to run some tests on you," I'd be like, "How much?"
0: All right, I'm in. (laughs) I like the feathers on your head. Okay. Yeah. So then we did the cut of your jib.
1: We get the little wolverine can see clearly and Carol's being carted off by two flying brood soldiers. And Logan's trying to get everybody to snap out of it, but they're, they're not having it. And Kitty gets, um, she gets carted up to the,
0: uh. Yeah. So it's Scott. He, yeah. he goes up to the, with well, the first appearance of the brood queen at this point, right? Yes. But she mo- looks more like, um, she just looks maleficent. Like yeah. And uh, cool man, like this is, so this is the human imagined amalgam of, of the brood queen and her figure, she's got the horns on her head. She's got this cape that looks like her wings. It's, it's just cool how all of her anatomy is there in a human
1: form. I gotta admit man, if I was an X-Man and I saw the brood, I'd probably quit. Yes. Like, they fucking scare the shit out of me.
0: They're real, I, yeah, now, when they made Alien, that tapped into something primally horrifying and scary.
1: <laughs> Sean, okay. We gotta, we gotta digress here for a second because, um, the Baron and I were getting into an argument this morning about which was the worst song I hate more than anything in life itself. Feliz Navidad. I will actually leave a store if that fucking song comes on during Christmas time.
0: Sean hates brown people.
1: And he he hates the Pina Colada song. So he wrote, I have to disagree. Feliz Navidad is a celebration of Christmas. The Pina Colada song is a celebration of boring white people having boring white sex. (laughs) That made me laugh.
0: Well, I love both of those songs. We can edit that out. I... I have the boringest sex you can imagine. I doubt And it. I'm sure you've imagined it. Jerry fucks like a brood
1: queen. <laughs> I do. I just jam it in your ass, whether you want it or not. Cool, edit that out. Oh, I might. Okay, so. Back to what you were saying about the brood queen before I so really interrupted.
0: I don't remember. But uh Kitty is next, after Scott, and... um
1: I gotta admit, that is a cool... It's a cool way that they did that. Like, the design of it is cool. Like, that's the one thing where I have to absolutely 100%, like, stand up and fucking take a bow, Mr. Cockrum, because you are fantastic at, like, you're terrible at designing costumes for Kitty, but everything yeah. else is fun and it's exciting. And I think I read something recently that, that, or I might have been, like, listening to a podcast that was talking about Dave Cockrum and how, like, that was the thing that he loved the most, was just design. Like, he was much more of a design. Mm-hmm. Like, he really loved that part of it, so... Heads up to him, but yeah. If I saw a brood like Magneto, I'd be like, "All right, I can get maybe. All right, okay, I can do this." You know, Sauron kind of scary, but you know, mm-hmm. but a brood, fuck that shit, man. Yeah, Kitty's fourteen years old. She should not be like this. Is cool. She should be fucking in a mental institution now. Yeah, she was impregnated by this crazy, huge, spidery, evil monster.
0: Well, I think that there's an event in her near future that is gonna cure her of her fear a little bit and make her feel like she's got a security blanket that will be with her at all times from now on. But uh so so Kitty's called up. I think I said Logan after Logan, but I meant after Scott. Yeah. Um so Kitty's called up and she starts waking up from the dream, sort of. And like, <laughs> starts freaking her shit and, and uh, and so the, the beautiful, uh, Shiar Queen tells her daughter it is done. Calls her daughter.
1: Yeah, that's creepy.
0: Super creepy. For those of you that haven't read this before, remember that, that she called her daughter. Yeah. And then Wolverine's next. And then he sees what's actually happening because it's happening to him. And the brood jabs its tongue which I guess they must all have oral sex in this culture um, because its tongue penetrates his chest. We'll assume between ribs and not through his breastbone because it's all adamantium. And apparently it's a very painful process because Wolverine says Arg.
1: Yep.
0: And then he wakes up that snaps him out of it fully, and he wakes up from his dream, and he is surrounded by terrifying monsters.
1: Yep, the scavengers looking to eat him.
0: Everyone a different creature design, too. Yeah. I mean, that's that's no small task. No, they look cool as hell. Lots of sharp teeth and big eyes. Yep.
1: Oh, man. The eyes, we're gonna talk about the eyes later on. Cyclops? Yes. Yes! That. Yes! That was the best moment. Oh, one of the other things that I want to talk about, which is radio for one, but if anyone remembers the G.I. Joe cartoon movie. (laughs) Which one? There was like a, I think it was like 87 or something, there was like- The Serpentor thing? Yes. Uh huh. When Cobra Commander gets blasted in the face by those pollen things and he actually turns into a snake. Yeah! Yes looks exactly like when Wolverine starts to change into the brood. Like, his skin gets weirdly scaly, but you can still tell it's him.
0: Oh, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. But that's
1: fucking awesome.
0: The more we talk about this, the more jazzed I get about (laughs) this issue.
1: It's pretty awesome. And I gotta admit, this whole, like, after Wolverine... Like, he's fighting the scavenger things that have tracked him down. And he kind of, in his head, he does the whole narration thing of, like they give up on him because they realize, like, whoa, we bit off way more than we can chew. <laughs> and they actually start to turn on their own kind and go after the ones that Wolverine has wounded. Yeah, And um, Wolverine starts to kind of climb away. And he talks about how, like, an animal knows when it's time to die and how it just, like, lays down. And it's just this really, like, sad, like, it's, like, I look at it and I'm like, what if that was it for Wolverine? Like, if this was the thing. Like, all these people, that he's, all this stuff that he's been through, and he's taken out by some horrible oral impregnation. (laughs) You have... I mean, we have
0: to wonder. I'm sure there are people that know the answer to this, but I wonder if they had discussions in the Marvel office like they had in the Marvel office a year or two ago when they started kicking around offing Wolverine. You know, like, is this the time? Do we need this as a sales bump? Or... um, should we get rid of an X-Men now that we've got the new mutants coming in? Should we get rid of all the X-Men? You know, did yeah, they have isn't those conversations? A, isn't this
1: a, I mean, it's Shooter's the editor in chief, isn't he like most known for the whole like, let's get rid of everything and create new, that like new universe thing or whatever? Or was that years yeah, later? Yeah.
0: No, well, that, I don't know yeah, that, that was, much about it. that would have been like five years later, okay. I think. But I don't know that he was ever looking to completely replace okay. the original Marvel universe. I, I don't think that was the plan. I don't know. I hope that wasn't his plan because it was a terrible plan if it was. Yeah. And um, sales proved that to be true when the new universe finally hit. Hey, digression again. Yeah. Sorry. Did you read any of the new universe stuff that came out in the two thousands? No. It was so good. Really. I loved it. Hmm. Absolutely loved it. Warren Ellis okay. and Salvador Laro- Roca, I think, were doing it. And as long as Warren Ellis was writing it, it was fantastic. Okay. But then they started doing some spinoffs yeah. that other people were writing and drawing, and it just kind of lost its way. And I wonder if sales just killed it, but I was really digging it. Where were we? Alright,
1: so as Wolverine's laying down to die, he flashes back and has another memory of him, uh, waking up. And he realizes what's going on. And he tries to wake Storm up, but Storm's like, no, 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 you're just, you, we'll get a doctor to check you out. And she's super dismissive of Logan, which Uh immediately makes Logan go, something's wrong with her too. I gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm on my own.
0: You know, there's a face, the way they draw her, and I'm I'm trying to focus on her face and not on the fact that she's topless. That's it's a um Mark Silvestri face, if ever I've seen one. Yeah. I wonder if he had Cockrum as an influence. Maybe. I'm going to ask him yeah. when I never meet him.
1: We should have him on the show sometime. We
0: should have him on the show.
1: He's got time for us. Yeah. So uh Wolverine then leaves Storm's room and heads over to Kitty's, and he's like, I really want to take her with me, but she's just going to hold me back. I'll have to come back and get her. Like, i got to figure out what the fuck's going on.
0: And he gives her a kiss on the cheek.
1: Yeah. And so as Wolverine's... And then we get a
0: little panel of his eyes where he's like, that's like his... Time to fuck some shit this up. This is fucking Clint Eastwood moment. He's <laughs> it like, is. I'm gonna
1: go tear some brood motherfuckers up.
0: I think writing him as Clint Eastwood is the best approach yeah, to okay. the character. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So uh he's going through the uh Lacanti ship and uh he stumbles upon Fang, one of the Imperial Guard who turned on Lalandra. He joined yeah. Deathbird's side and sold her out. And, the, uh, and these two have are, a past. Yes, they Wolverine do. Wolverine and Fang have
0: a past. Wolverine knocked him the fuck out and stole his clothes. Yep. <laughs> on the moon? Was it on the moon? No. No, it was in space when the the
1: near the Macron Crystal. So uh the brood are about to give Fang his payment for his loyalty. All of a sudden he starts to uh smoke.
0: Oh, and they're all crawling out of these little wasp like um yeah. cells. Oh.
1: Gross So he starts to smoke and then the, like you can slowly start to see him turn like basically inside out into a, he actually turns into a pretty sweet looking brood. That's a great. He does. Yeah.
0: But before that he's blistering and then there's Kirby crackle everywhere and he's in a lot of pain. That's no way to go. Yeah. But he is gone, and now he is a Brood Queen's daughter.
1: And it's interesting, too, because as much as Wolverine should hate Fang, because he sold out the X-Men and Lalandra, and they have a past, and he's not a big fan of the guy, he does admit that, like, no one should have to go through what he just witnessed. So he actually, which is very uncharacteristic, I felt the Wolverine, audibly screams no, which alerts the Brood to his presence, which pretty much sucks.
0: Yeah, he, he went all Luke Skywalker at the end of New Hope. (laughs) It's never a good idea.
1: So, uh, Wolverine, uh, snaps out of it again. He sees a, uh, a young, new brood. And, uh.
0: That's got that, um, Iron Fist tattoo on its head.
1: Yeah. Which looks oddly like Fang. It does. So he hops on top of it, cuts off the stingers, and then basically explains, like, you better take me in there, or I'm going to kill you. The brood agrees, because it doesn't want to die. And he's flying, and all of a sudden, Wolverine starts to have the pain again. The brood uses that to his advantage, and kind of flips Logan, and drops him into a nest of other brood. Oh, no. (laughs) Not a good day. And then we get a sweet, full splash page, which... Is awesome. Wolverine's like entangled in the tentacles of the brood and he's going nuts and he's slashing him. It's pretty badass. That's a pretty sweet panel.
0: It is sweet. It is sweet. you know, I wonder. Um most artists when they get the opportunity to do a full page splash like this, they would um make a point of featuring his claws. Yeah. And Cochram Almost completely draws them out of the page. They're coming up out of the top of the page, and you just get the little bit coming out of the knuckles on his left hand. I wonder if he didn't like drawing the claws. Maybe. Like, did he? Was is it like life? Oh, you can't see his feet either. <laughs> I was gonna say, is it like life? Where he didn't like drawing feet, so he draw them out.
1: I just wonder because, like, the, the 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 face on this page is so great. Yeah. That it's like I wonder if he just wanted to take away from the claws to point out that like the rage, yes. the berserker rage, yes, yeah, no, Cause you're the claws are clearly totally right. They're there. They're just inside a brood. <laughs> <laughs> you're right.
0: You're right. Um, yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the page because it is magnificent. He, yeah, you know what's interesting is he's got these bad gashes, one right across his abdomen and one across his thigh. And there's what should be blood oozing out of him, but it's white. So yeah. he's made of milk, apparently.
1: And then uh after he's done cutting all those guys up, you can see that what happened to Fang is about to happen to him. And Logan fights it. And what winds up partially saving him on top of his healing factor is the fact that the brood can't bond to his adamantium skeleton. Like, right. it can't change. Like,
0: Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That fact, but yeah, it so saves the, his ass.
1: The embryo is dead, but now Logan is full on scaly.
0: How cool is this? He, he's yeah. Oh my god, he looks so awesome.
1: Yeah, he, he looks so awesome. So that is Uncanny X Men one sixty
0: two. Next issue, rescue mission. Uncanny X-Men number one sixty-three, written by Chris Claremont with art by Dave Cockrum and Bob Wiacek, Joe Rosen letterer, and Bob Sharon is the colorist. Edited as always by Louise Jones. My girl.
1: Rereading these, like I'm a little sad that I didn't. Um Like, I was so scared of bugs and stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. That that stopped me from, like, really enjoying these when I was a kid. (laughs) It was just too creepy for me, you know?
0: You know, when I was a kid, people my age might remember these, but I had this library of child craft encyclopedias, and uh, there was one volume, I think it was an annual volume, that came out after the complete set that was all about bugs. loved that book. I read it all the time, but I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't touch a panel that was a photo of a, of an insect. I, like I would have to turn the pages carefully by grabbing a white part of the page, looking to see if there was a bug on the other side of the page (laughs) and then turn the page. It was nuts. All right. That's got nothing to do with the X-Men.
1: That's all right.
0: But the brood fall into that icky. Yeah. Category.
1: So it opens up with the brood um running some tests on Carol Danvers. And,
0: and shooting her poor abdomen, which has already, at this point, been through quite a lot. Yeah. Impregnation by her boyfriend slash rapist slashed son
1: yeah. <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> but they're really messing with her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does this whole weird metamorphosis into a almost creepier looking brood than, uh, that's...
0: It's like a cross between a brood and something from Limbo.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that first panel. Gross. I really dig the first, very first panel on that second page though. It looks, uh, she looks like Magma. Yeah. Who's one of my favorite characters. And that's all. And then we get to see more cool brood. Wolverine entering the scene in silhouette.
1: Yeah. I love the fact that it's like, it's one of the brood is like dispatched and, uh, sent to get refreshments. (laughs) Yes! Yeah, they,
0: a little way of humanizing the brood. You know, they do shit just like everybody else. They're not just
1: mindless killing machines. They get thirsty. Yeah. And so Wolverine basically follows him into their little cooler area and, uh, the brood gets the light shut out on him. And he's like, who's here? And all you see are the claws pop out of Wolverine's hand, and then that brood comes smashing through the window of the lab. <laughs> oh my
0: god. I, I almost think that left to himself on this planet, he could have single-handedly wiped out the entire brood race. Oh, I think
1: so. And I think he's very angry at Cyclops later on for not allowing him to stay here to do the job. Yeah. So sure. Wolverine uh, starts cutting through the brood pretty quickly, getting splattered with brood blood, and uh he sees Carol and what they've done to her, and uh he's pretty pissed off about it, and he cuts her out of there. Before that, though, he takes a long gaze into her soulful eyes. Yeah. Yeah. When it, when they're, yeah. When she finally comes to, um, he looks into her eyes, and it's a, a cool panel of, you can see the stars. Yeah. Which I'm sure is foreshadowing what's about to happen to her powers. And so Carol Danvers is like, fuck this. Let me grab a brood gun. Let's go kill some sons of bitches.
0: Their guns are so weird. They're, they're made because the brood's front appendages are tentacles. Um, so they're kind of designed for that, but they look really awkward when a human's holding them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like a turkey. Yeah. A turkey carcass. So then it cuts to Westchester and the mansion being rebuilt again. From scratch, man. We are talking eye beams and a hole in the ground. Yeah. And all of a sudden, um Alex and Corsair beam down. And then, uh basically, Havoc starts filling Lorna in on what happened and how, you know, Deathbird delivered the X-Men and the Landry to the Brood. During this conversation, Corsair basically... Explains to Moira like, "I got my kid. I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna either rescue him or I'm gonna avenge him."
0: And really uh, cool moment yeah. right before that, where he conjures his little blasters from his yeah. his gauntlets. That was so cool. Yeah. I mean, just just a little thing, but Cockrum's probably sitting at his table drawing, and he's like, "You know, it'd be really cool. I've always wanted to try this. That's
1: awesome, man." That's pretty sweet. So he he's like Alex wants to go with him, but Corsair's like no. Like if I'm if Scott's not safe and I might not be safe, I want to make sure that you are. So then it cuts to uh, Cyclops attacking the Brood, and he sees the X-Men, and all of a sudden those X-Men in front of him turn into Brood monsters, and so he's clearly going through his hallucination. Real quick, on the page of my comic one of the ads is for a free full color marvel poster it's 17 by 11 and it's drawn by michael golden and all you had to do was send 50 fucking cents to cover postage and handling yeah what That's do you it, think
0: that poster goes oh for my on God, ebay dude, now
1: it's so fucking cool this poster is so fucking cool. I've
0: never, I've seen it on the internet, but I've never seen that poster in person. But it's basically the entire Marvel universe.
1: Oh, it's awesome.
0: What I want to know is, and I'm I can't 50 remember. Send
1: to that address and just hope. There's <laughs> 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 some old dude like, oh, we got another one.
0: <laughs> oh, if only. Alright folks, so at this point the recording gets inexplicably echoey for about 17 minutes. If you find that you can't stand it, just jump ahead to about the one hour mark and it'll clear up again and you'll get good old GX pod like you always loved it. We apologize for the inconvenience. God damn. Man, that is a sweet poster. Look at vision amazing out of the them.
1: floor. Yeah. And, like, Nightcrawler teleports from the back, but then he's in the front of the poster. Like, you can see (gasps) the bamf in the back. And Sue Richards is like, Holy shit! The thing? Holy shit! Machine Man up in the corner. Jerry's wearing a Machine Man shirt. I am! Look how small the
0: Marvel U is. One thing I'll say...
1: Good Dad Storm looks. Oh, yeah,
0: she does. God, man. Dusky guys. (laughs) Low, oh man, Michael Golden was the absolute best thing Marvel had going for him in the late 70s, early 80s. And he's... He just did not have enough exposure.
1: Yeah. That black bolt looks Spider awesome. Spider-Woman?
0: Yeah, that black bolt's good.
1: Alright. Shang-Chi!
0: And of course, dead center in the middle of the p- uh, picture, you have to have... Car- Captain Universe, which is his creation, yeah, I think he first appeared in like Micronauts number five Captain Universe was indeed created by Michael Golden and Bill Mantlow, and his first appearance was in Micronauts number eight Get it. So there you go all right and still with the Marvel U today in Hickman's yes, sir. Avengers.
1: Back to the issue, Cyclops starts blasting the holy hell out of the uh X-Men-looking brood. And then he sees a flash of one that looks like him and starts to freak out. And all of a sudden, in his hallucination, these two big hands come and kind of cradle him and pull him out. And it's a giant Professor X who starts to explain, like, I gave you the gist to, def- to, like, stop this from happening. You just gotta find him in yourself. And Cyclops remembers all of his... Um, like psionic shielding training from when he was a younger X Man, and so he wakes up and realizes where he's at. He goes to get Storm, and Storm's kind of like meditating, and in a really cool effect that Cockrum does, like as Cyclops walks up to her, he can see forming around her, um, like a like a pink see-through version of the Brood kind of around her as she's Mm -hmm. meditating. And all of a sudden a lightning bolt just comes crashing down. So clearly Storm is meditating and fighting the brood infestations inside of her. And all of a sudden she snaps up. She wakes up. She doesn't understand why she's so upset. And she takes off with Cyclops and they run into uh, Carol and Logan.
0: And Scott's like, "Why's your face all fucked up?" Yeah. <laughs> it's it. Logan starts to tell him, and then he thinks better of it. Yep. So at this point, he's the only X Men that really knows what's happened
1: to them. So they come up with a plan to steal Lelandro's ship and get everybody out of here. Let's see. They they run into Colossus, and he's still very much under the influence of the hallucination. Like he's really like. Walls look normal to me, I don't know what the fuck your guys' problems are. Yeah.
0: I, so, I guess if we were to have some kind of scale, Colossus is probably, like, the weakest willed of the X-Men. That's sad. Not to say that he's weak willed, just that there are stronger wills. I think that at this point- He's the most susceptible to this kind of- At this
1: point. Because what you have to understand- Like, Remember that his, like, he's always been the one that's homesick. He's mm-hmm. always been the one who's like, kind of partially, like, he wants to, he, he is there because he knows it's his duty, I don't think that he wants to be there. Uh-huh. And I think that Ileana just, cause this is, I mean, Ileana's just come back from, you know, limbo. Yeah. And so he's dealing with the fact that his little sister is now, what, 14? 15? Mm-hmm. 14, yeah. So I'm sure he's distracted, and all this stuff is weighing heavy on his mind, so I'm sure that's why he's easily pushed around via the brood. I think mm-hmm. later on he kind of starts to snap out of it. Makes eh, mention of it. That's debatable. <laughs> why do you hate Colossus, Gary? <laughs>
0: I don't hate Colossus. I love Colossus but um i think that the force of will isn't one of his strengths you know yeah. like he he's got other strengths that are just as important but i don't think that his the things that make cyclops and storm and wolverine natural leaders you know he doesn't have that right. in him he's he's got um a greater capacity for love and a greater capacity for finding the good in people but, um, when it comes to this kind of thing, that's not it's not the area where he stands up, yeah, that's all okay. I mean, once he's freed of of the yoke of the brood, he's gonna kick some serious ass, but I don't know, it's not his fault, man I mean i I wouldn't be like burning a brood spoiler embryo out of my body, true, if it was me, there's nothing wrong with it, it's just that um. The others are like that's, that's in their personality that they just won't be dominated forever. Eventually, they they'll yeah be able to buck it.
1: I don't know. So Wolverine wants to head down and kill the brood queen. Yeah, he does. Cyclops wants everybody to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, he does. And you Wolverine, know. he's not having any of that.
0: No, he's, at this point, he's just... You know, and it's bullshit, because Scott isn't even the leader of the team anyway. Right. Storm is. So Wolverine basically just pretends he can't hear what <laughs> what Scott's saying at the time, or he's telling him to talk to the
2: hand.
1: Some brood soldiers start attacking him. Everybody's going to eat shit. So Wolverine, during this fight at one point, does, uh... Like, Cyclops is trying to get him out of there. And he's basically like, I'll carry you out if I have to. And Logan's like, you're welcome to try. And he's like, Cyclops is like, if we stay here, we're all gonna die. And Wolverine's just like, we're as good as dead already. We might as well take as many of these fuckers with us as possible. And at that moment, Storm lifts uh, Nightcrawler and Kitty out. They're heading to the ship.
0: Look at that panel. Nightcrawler is ripped on that panel. (laughs) <laughs> but it's just the one panel. <laughs> it looks more like Peter. That's all. If you ever wondered what Nightcrawler would look like completely shredded and just stacked with muscle, this is your issue.
1: Yep. Yeah. So uh he teleports onto the hull of the ship. Kitty phases inside, and she's got to open up the doors to let um Nightcrawler in. And Kitty actually says something really interesting there where she talks about the fact that if only she could phase another person with her. Nightcrawler wouldn't be stuck out there, possibly freezing to death in space. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting that she couldn't do that at this point. She talks about how Nightcrawler can't obviously teleport in there. When she gets inside, there's a brood waiting for her. And he goes to attack her. And she's like, shit, shit, shit. Because the door won't open unless the other door is closed. And the brood's kind of blocking the way. So she lets the brood get in there. phases, and And uh, she's like, I'll open the whole thing and suck us both out into space. Just to make sure that you die. And as she's doing that, like, the brood accidentally, like, flips one of its tentacles and winds up hitting the door so it opens and sucks the brood out into space. And she's able to pull Nightcrawler in. But he's freezing really hard. So then it's back to the rest of the team fighting and then all of a sudden the, uh, ship blasts off. And, uh, everybody's on board because they were transported on board. And they're like, well, we can get the fuck out of here. And Wolverine's like, no way, man. We gotta go back and kill all those fuckers. But he won't tell anybody why. And then all of a sudden, the very last panel is a gun scope on the ship. And then there's some weird ad on the next page. Three villains versus 14 heroes. The good guys haven't got a chance. Marvel and... I don't know what the fuck that is. Dicks? Uh, Distinguished competition. The Uncanny X Men, the New Teen Titans. What are the Teen Titans?
0: What's a Teen Titan? What the fuck? I don't know. Uh, you know, I never read, that. never read that. You put a Teen Titan in something? I don't care if it's the best book ever. I'm not reading it. Yeah, yeah. Don't care.
2: That's the spirit. And it's weird because
0: there are a lot of people that, um, you know, if you love the X Men, you love the Teen Titans.
2: If
1: you um, love the X Men, you love the X Men. <laughs>
0: I just could never muster enough "give a fuck" to read the the, the Teen Titans. I, I love George Perez, and I really like Mark Wolfman, but I just never gave a shit about that book. Yeah. So issue we are now to issue 164 of the Uncanny X Men. X Men. Same creative team. Yep. And this one's called Binary Star. What? Binary.
1: Why is it binary star? I like the splash page not because it's a cool spaceship lifting off, because it's got the cool floating heads.
0: Yeah, looking they're all it's got all the X Men and Carol Danvers and the Landro looking on as the ship is flying away. Just their floating heads. Yeah. That's a micronauts move, Sean.
1: Whoa. They do that shit all the time in the Micronauts. Should we... You should read the Micronauts. One of these days. Ladies and gentlemen, when you turn the page, you'll see one of my favorite Dave Cochran designs. Yeah, space shark! Space
0: shark ship. ship. That is awesome. And the
1: gills are also like the teeth. Yep. And, oh, god damn, that's awesome. It's really fucking cool. And I think as a kid, too, like, I didn't quite grasp... Like, I always thought that the brood were, like, just creepy. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, like, how... Cause I probably just flipped through the issues when I was a kid, you know, but was too mm-hmm. fucking scared to read them or some shit. But just like how militarized they are and how, like, I mean the ships are cool, like, I mean it's terrible what they do to get the ships and we'll get to that in a little bit, but, yeah, I
0: mean it's, it's, uh, it's a new level of horror, you know, it's not like they're killing the, the, the races that they overtake, they're like, Turning them into mindless slaves and just using them as
3: things. Yeah.
0: Like the way you would use your cell phone.
1: They're using another yeah, living being like that. So it's weird. Th- so the X-Men are trying to outrun the shark spaceships. And there's a panel of Lalandra's ship um, with the,
0: the exhaust yeah. from the back that is... Um I love the coloring of that panel and like the the explosions in front of it but that's it's one of my favorite panels of a ship from this this arc. Like that one really stood out to me as I was reading it. I don't know. Nothing important happens in that panel, it just looks really good. Yeah.
1: No, I mean Cockrum Nails the space stuff. They're all trying to shoot at the ships, you know, and uh Colossus is, you know, he's in one of the the gun things trying to use it, and he's basically explaining like, I'm not like everybody else. Like I'm not, I'm not good with this. I feel like I react too slow. Um, I'm not really helping. I'm failing everybody. Like he's having some serious doubt there, which sucks. And uh, Cyclops is there's like a cool like bubble thing that he's in. It's almost like a gunship, but it actually becomes like his ruby quartz visor. So that he can, shoot yeah, like the, out the of it. ship
0: made this for him. Yes, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, and he's he's doing the typical science. This is like I'm all for Cyclopses don't kill thing, and I especially wish that the X Men would get a little bit more of that back nowadays in the books. Uh-huh. Like I wish the heroes were heroes in the books nowadays. But in this one thing, where like you're, I mean, he doesn't know yet that he's impregnated with Queen embryo, uh-huh. but like. They're trying to kill you, man, and they're creepy space aliens, and they clearly have no value for any life other than their own. So blast them the fuck out of the sky, Scott, (laughs) for being a puss, because he's like, oh, I'll stun their ship. It's like, they ain't trying to stun you, chief. Get your act together. So Storm starts to, she's like, maybe from here I can command some weather. She actually goes a little bit overboard, because in this atmosphere she can't control her power as well, Mm -hmm. so she winds up electrocuting, like, four ships at once and killing them. He feels pretty bad about it. Wimp. Yep. And uh, the ship gets hit that Lalandra and the X-Men are on, so they're like, we can't fix any of the ship unless somebody's out there. Nightcrawler volunteers, but he's way too injured to do it. So Kitty's like, listen, I'm just gonna hop in this spacesuit. I can phase through their bullets. I ain't scared of nothing.
0: Kitty's in another new costume.
1: Yep. Cochran loves making costumes for Kitty. And, and I, ah, oh,
0: I love that it's another opportunity for him to draw that Shiara spacesuit yep. design
1: because those things look so fucking cool. The helmets on those things are so good. Yeah. So the, the brood starts shooting at Kitty as she's trying to fix the, the ship. They're trying to, uh, so Cyclops is like, Hey, we're, we're getting our asses handed to a storm. We need some help. Battle's still going on as she's trying to fix the outside of the ship. And all of a sudden, like, Carol starts having some, like, her vision starts to go blurry. And Hot all of a sudden... Flashes. Yep. She uh changes and starts getting this crazy power, which, if I were reading this as a new reader month to month, I would not want to take any of my female teammates into Shi'ar space. Because every time that I do, one of them turns into some crazy, super-powered... I've got the power of a fucking star or sun in my body. Yeah. And I'm going to go eat shit. So that happens to Carol. And she blasts every fucking ship out of the sky. And it looks like it even overtakes Kitty. There's this great panel. that's like the... I don't even know how... I'm not good with the art commentary, <laughs> but... It's a great panel. And there's the big Kitty screaming. And then it cuts to... Well, at that com- point, Kitty is... Is okay.
0: She's just repaired the ship and he, she yells that they should, they should yeah. get out of there. Throw us into warp. And then Storm starts to panic because she's not in the ship yeah. when they jump.
1: So then it cuts to Xavier's mansion, which from last issue when it was just I-beams, it's now completely finished. Oh hey, that was fast. And the explanation that they give is that it was worker robots given to him by Lilandra. Oh wow. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Fucking comics. It's comics, man. Yeah. And Wh- I want to talk- Notice
0: Worthington is nowhere to be found. Yeah. The Bucks ran out. <laughs> he had someplace he had to be. Where is he? Is he with the champion? No, he's not oh, with the will just champion. take he's my... He's with the New Defenders.
1: Oh, yeah. He's busy. So then uh the second panel of the page is Professor Xavier setting the table for dinner. And I just want to talk about that salad for a minute. Yes! <laughs> yes, talk about the salad. I, really, the salad to me is like, there's a lot of detail in that salad.
0: It's got tomatoes in it.
1: I love that it's
0: in that big 70s wooden bowl. Yeah,
1: with the spoons and everything. I, I gotta guess. get
0: that bowl. I, I would eat more salad if I had that bowl.
1: Fuck yeah. I'll get you that bowl for Christmas. Dude, yeah. You're like, no, get it for me. I don't want this salad. <laughs> I should
0: have a few salads. <laughs> so I, uh, anyway. Sean, if you bought me that bowl for Christmas, I would, I'd be really appreciative. All right,
1: I'll find that bowl. For I got to
0: figure out what to get you for Christmas. Can I say, I'm really excited? Okay, so I should probably plug this at the end of the episode. But I spent a good chunk of this week uploading our new, our old episodes onto our new. Uh, great expectations dedicated feed so that they're available for anyone that's missed them before or if for some crazy reason you want to listen to them again hey true believers you can find that new feed at Great expectations with no hyphens or underscores or anything like that libsyn dot com and when I got to the Christmas episode from last December, I got so warm and fuzzy just thinking about that. Hands down my favorite episode.
1: Yeah, that was fun.
0: And we're like coming into the holiday season. We're three, four weeks away from Halloween, which means that Thanksgiving's right around the corner and Christmas is almost here. When the first two um, Star Wars prequels came out, I bought all the action figures. And I was like, I'm going to put these away, I'm going to get rich on these, but they're not worth shit. So, at that point, I hadn't planned on having any kids. Um, But now I have two wonderful kids, and one of them is six years old, and is turning into a little bit of a Star Wars fan. We watched Star Wars Rebels last night, nice. it's really good. You probably did not watch it.
1: Um, I did not, because I was busy watching a DVR-Durley <laughs> 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 <Cut it. laughs>
0: that- that normally comes on on Friday, right? Yes. But it okay. was on right so, before Star Wars. Right so they were running ads for all the Friday shows and Chloe was freaking out. She wants to watch all that shit. Like she was she was like, Can we watch all this stuff every Friday from now on? So I don't know, Sean, maybe you can no, you'll probably want to be doing adult things while you're watching it. Um so <laughs> Uh but we'll probably have it on in our I household too while I'm watching
1: girls. <laughs> That's not basketball. what I was talking
0: about um that you could do in our house <laughs> but um, so last night we broke out all the episode two figures because she found them. I was gonna wrap all every figure individually and put them under the Christmas tree this year. This was the year where they were both old enough, and she found the episode two figures. I didn't hide them carefully, but they were in a spot where she usually doesn't doesn't go. But she yeah. found them, and she asked about them. So last night we opened those bad boys up, and then watched Star Wars Rebels. That's awesome. It was a
1: cool night, man. That really makes me happy that she got excited about those Friday night shows because I remember like when I was a kid how like Tgif or whatever was such a big deal to me. Yeah. And actually, like I'm glad that you brought that up because. One of the things that happened, I think it was last weekend or possibly the weekend before that was really sad, was the final Saturday morning cartoon ran on network television.
0: Yeah. Like the dedicated Saturday block.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. And it is sad.
1: It's sad for us. I don't think kids today care because they've got Cartoon Network and stuff like that. So it's a totally different animal. Yeah. But at least for me, like, it was a little one of those things of, like, I can no longer deny that the times are changing. Right. yeah, I am a dinosaur. I'm okay with it.
0: The thing that I'll say is that that cartoon block was absolute trash.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure.
0: And um, there are so many quality cartoons that I would have killed to have as a kid. Yeah, like the the state of animation for kids these days is still really good. Like between um, Avatar and. Adventure time and um Gravity Falls and just a million other really high quality cartoons that Thundercats cartoon it was on for two seasons was like the best cartoon. I loved it um and Turtles is really good, so like we shouldn't feel too bad right no, but um yeah, I, yeah Saturday morning's are because
1: it's like the... it's
0: not like it used to be.
1: Yeah. Well, it hasn't been like that for years.
0: But, I mean, that's the thing as kids, when we think of television, the thing that we look most fondly on was Saturday morning. You know, they always had the block after school on on weekdays, but those were all reruns, typically. And Saturday morning was the special thing. Um, how Now, how did that work with, like, G.I. Joe and Transformers? Because I know that G.I. Joe had the their original little mini-series thing, they ran, like, primetime I yeah. remember going to a friend's house and watching it. But I don't think it was a Saturday morning cartoon. Did they just show new episodes during the week?
1: Maybe. I, I wish was, I could uh, remember. It was a little bit too... Because, like, Saturday morning cartoons would have really come into play, like, towards the end of that for me. Yeah. And, like, like when X-Men started and Batman uh-huh. and stuff, so... But
0: Batman was primetime too. It was. Yeah, it was syndicated and shown, like, in the afternoons, but that was a primetime show. I
1: used to come home from school, and I would watch Welcome Back, Cotter, because I fucking love Welcome oh Back, Oh, my
0: Potter. God, that show was great. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, I think we got to get back to the issue. Oh, that I guess so. Salad. I could
0: talk about Saturday morning cartoons forever, though. Yeah. That salad.
1: <laughs> I just, the detail, <laughs> the, the detail in de- that salad <laughs> really gets to me. Because I don't think that that amount of detail. We'll talk about the Uncanny X Men John Romita Jr. Thanksgiving issue at some point soon, and we'll discuss about the mountainous blob of food that's on the table. But here, yeah. I'd eat that salad.
0: Yeah, eat a little big bowl of mashed potatoes, and you there's, there's a little. You're
1: fucking toss the shit out of that salad. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's weird though because I don't see jelly or syrup here. Yeah. So I don't know how he prefers to toss his salad.
1: I prefer syrup. Lock it up. <laughs>
0: um, this is this is one of the biggest shortcomings of me as a parent is that we don't have this sit down meal. Looking at that panel, man, I want I want Professor X and Iliana. I want that to be us. Yeah. I want Chloe to be a demon possessed. Teenage girl probably will be. And you, fuck it, let's just get to the next page because this is was really interesting to me. Professor can X first, is drinking. Can
1: we just talk about the fact that she's wearing the fucking bloodstones around her neck? Yeah. and Xavier doesn't seem to be bothered by it. She's
0: totally rocking it. That's her soul, man. She's wearing. She wears. She wears it on her sleeve or on her chest in this case. But Professor X is drinking a cup full of blood.
1: Yeah.
0: And <laughs> I don't know what to, what is. Okay, T is red in the Marvel U. And Eliana is asking if she's a mutant and Professor X doesn't know. And there's a panel at the end of this page where she goes, "I can do neat things too, just like Peter." And and he's like, "Such as what?" And she says, "Oh, things." And she's got this like devilish smirk on her face that's
1: And Xavier's legs tingle just a little
0: bit. Yes, it's it's weirdly sexual and creepy too. Like you could you could interpret this in so many ways. She's either making a pass at him,
1: which she's not,
0: which she's not,
1: or I would like to clarify that she is not. I don't think she's been a lot of years in Bill's
0: in in Balsacco's universe. Anything's on the table for this young girl at this point. She's ahead.
1: I think that we're... For 14-year-olds. I think that we're...
0: They're alone in this house. She's got questions. Does his stuff still work? (laughs) His legs don't work. What about the rest of him? (laughs) I don't know. This is a young Jerry McDade's fantasy
1: where he's like, I'm probably going to go bald in my own. I'm
0: just saying... (laughs) I'm just saying. Look at that panel for... Go home. Wait. Stop. See what Mr. Mint's doing. Then go home. I'm gonna. And then, look at that again. for Just, like, spend a few minutes on it.
1: Oh. I spent a few minutes on it.
0: Alright. But Professor X is very intrigued by what's going on with Iliata.
1: But not intrigued enough to do anything about it. He's like, I'm intrigued and I should probably check this out, but I don't give a fuck anymore. You know,
0: it's really weird. The New Mutants are right around the corner and she's proposing this possibility that she's a mutant and the team's about to come together he's uh, getting a little bit ahead he he's eventually going to want kitty on the team but never mentions iliana is a possibility early on it's weird
1: yeah he's a weird dude man he is look at those eyebrows yeah it's creepy So then we uh, cut to Kitty inside of the ship, and as she starts to wake up, she sees Carol for the first time in her binary persona.
0: This is a cool costume.
1: Yeah. It's a Cockrum
0: costume for sure. It's so cool. I love this. I've always loved Cockrum's Miss Marvel costume, but it's always been a struggle for me loving this one like I do. Um... When she eventually becomes Miss Marvel again, it was kind of bittersweet because I really dug this, too.
1: Yeah. So the um, X-Men start to all be revived. They talk to Carol a little bit about what's going on with her, and they start to discuss the fact that, like, Kitty's plan worked and they were able to warp away from the problem, but it's now basically sucked all the energy out of the ship, so they can't go anywhere or do anything. And Storm's like... Well, maybe my elemental power is in electricity, and Carol's like, "Bitch, please, that ain't <laughs> enough power. Let me get in there. I got the power of a star coursing through me." She's got the power, and so Cockrum's just like, "Oh, what is? That?
0: <laughs> what is? What does the inside of a warp drive look like?" I'll just, I'll make some shit up. Yep. it looks really cool. It I, think, I really hope cool. we get there in my lifetime because I want to see oh, that, that shit. That sweet.
1: Then we got a big, uh, double page ad for Saturday morning cartoons on CBS.
0: Oh, why didn't we save it for this? This is, this is CBS's Starcade. Yeah. New Pandemonium.
1: Don't remember it. Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show. Hell yes. Meatballs and Spaghetti. Don't remember it. Gilligan's Planet. Fuck that shit. Sylvester and Tweety, Daffy and Speedy.
0: No, you know this
1: all sounds terrible.
0: I remember the the Looney Tune shit was always on ABC. I don't remember it ever being on CBS. At twelve
1: thirty, though, you had brand new episodes of the new Fat Albert. <laughs> so then, when you turn the page after you get your Saturday morning fix, you get a pretty cool panel of Carol using her powers. Just looks kind of fun. She charges up the ship, but she's a uh, she's a little drained.
0: They mention it later, but we'll. We'll just get to it now. How about it? Like she's got the ability to tap into the power of a white hole.
1: Yep.
0: Which means that
2: she,
0: (laughs) we're like children. Um, she can, uh, manipulate energy in all of its forms.
1: Yep. And so there's, and gravity, right? She mentions gravity too. Yeah. So as they're um discussing a bit of her powers as they're putting together part of the ship, um Colossus kind of looks at her and he says, Carol, such abilities would be invaluable to the X-Men. And she says, Uh, you invited me to join? And he says, You are now a mutant and you have always been a friend. And then, like when I was rereading this, I was like, Well, that's weird. Like what? So I don't know if that was ever followed up on. I know that somebody um just seems kind of like a weird throwaway there to just say that she's a mutant
0: yeah well I imagine this is I should I should have a real list of questions I want to ask Claremont but this would be one like what were your initial intentions going all the way back to their first interaction with Miss Marvel did you have designs because you wrote her character did you have designs on bringing her to the X-Men when the book ended yeah. Cuz Mystique all of a sudden became a central point for the X-Men. Carol Danvers is closely tied to them. Um like did you want that and was it snuffed out by Shooter or did you just decide it wasn't a good fit? Because we'll get we'll get to it later what she eventually decides to do, but um yeah, I mean at, at this point it really looks like she's heading towards membership in the group.
1: Yeah, for sure. So then, uh... We get, um... a Cyclops and the Landra are fixing part of the ship, Wolverine comes in and starts to talk about how they've got to, uh... go back and kill the rest of the brood, and Cyclops is just like, man, X-Men don't kill. Like, let's figure that the fuck out. Like, this isn't what we're doing. And, uh... Wolverine kind of snaps on him, pops the claw. says, want to bet. And then, uh... Shocking turn, which I was kind of blown away by. He apologizes to Scott. He says everything that's happened to him just kind of drove him a little bit buggy. But I don't know if he's, he's just, he's clearly trying to still like hide the fact of what's going on with the rest of the X-Men from him. Yeah. Uh, he's he hell bent
0: on getting revenge for what yeah. the Brood have done to his team and nobody else knows that cause, cause they, they couldn't know it and he won't tell them. Which is probably for the better. Right. But um...
1: Well Cyclops even says at that point, he looks to Nightcrawler and he's like, listen, he's acting weird, Kitty's acting weird, I gotta get to the bottom of this. And so then it cuts to, uh, Storm, she's in the shuttle bay, and she's trying to use her powers, cause there's enough room in there for her to generate some wind, and as she does, she all of a sudden gets this really bad stomach pain. Every guy's nightmare. <laughs> and she, uh. <laughs> She starts to freak out, and she's talking to Cyclops, and she's like, I don't know what the deal is. She's like, but I can't figure out my powers, like, I just feel different, like, I I hate being in space, like, out of all the X-Men, she right. hates being like in she, space the most.
0: And you don't, I don't think you really realize this at the, at this point, but, like, her powers are uniquely tied to the Earth, yes. specifically, and, um... Like, and her soul is tied to the Earth. Like, that's... She needs to be there. Yeah. But she needs to get her ass home.
1: Yeah. And, and then... If, and she all of a sudden figures out what's happening. Like, she pieces it together faster than anybody. Snaps. Blows Cyclops out of the room with a hurricane gust of wind. And takes off with the spaceship, leaving her costume behind. That's Jerry's favorite bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. It is. But, yeah, very sudden... Damn hot damn this is a good sequence. So like, then This yeah. is so powerful like she's like no, oh no and she just blows him out, the door slam and she is fucking gone and Cyclops is just left wondering what is going
1: on. And that's when Wolverine's like I gotta tell everybody what's going on. And he breaks the news that everybody's infected, but I'm alright. <laughs> yeah. That
0: well, I mean that had to be oh, really heavy, hard. Horrible. Yeah. So then. Everybody's reactions to. They're pretty really good.
1: good. Everybody's reactions are solid except for Carol's. She freaks the fuck out. Right. And blows a hole in the ship. So everybody starts to get sucked out. And I just want to point out that it was an explosive decompression because that is said about 50 times <laughs> in the next issue. An explosive decompression. There
0: are some points here where I start to. I really start to see what what makes people crazy about Conqueror or Claremont. I'm sorry, and and that's Listen, that's one of the things.
1: Motherfucker was getting paid by the word. Yeah, obviously. So yes, I would have padded the shit out of stuff too.
0: But um, yeah, Carol is is going to make the brood pay, and that's all she's thinking about. And she flies right out of the side of the ship, and that's not good. And I have to pee. Sean, we are here. This is a moment that a lot of people have been waiting for, and it deserves a moment of silence and anticipation. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the Paul Martin Smith run of X-Men's. Be it X-Men's? God damn it! I try to make a moment special, and I just ruin it with stupidity. Be it ever so brief, we are here, finally, with Uncanny X-Men number 165.
1: That is a nightmare of a front cover.
0: Yeah, man. On the front cover, with a o- nice yellow and orange background, we see Storm
1: being transmogrified into a brood. So it opens up with everybody obviously dealing with the hole that Carol just blew into the ship. Kitty looks really cool. I really
0: like the way that Paul Smith draws Kitty.
1: Yep. I like the way that he draws Wolverine. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like he gave us the first, like, good-looking Wolverine.
0: You've mentioned that before, and I thought of that as I was reading this. And um, I still think he's um, he's ugly, but he's ugly in a more, in a different way. The um, Cockrum silhouette of Wolverine like you actually see it in silhouette it's so unique like the gigantic mutton chop yeah. sideburns um he has those a little bit in paul smith's version but um his face is like a road map of yeah. all the shit he's been through the way paul smith draws him you know it, he's really
1: good He's really clean, too. Like, I think that's the biggest difference between me and the Cockrum stuff. Like, the Cockrum stuff is busy in a good way uh-huh. because it's really, I don't know if this is the correct word, but there's, like, world building, like, a lot of detail in the backgrounds. Yeah. And this is a lot of, like, there's just the same amount of detail in the Paul Smith stuff.
0: It's just... Yeah. It's easy to understand because Paul Smith comes from an animator's background, and the whole thing with animation is that you try to... Say as much as you can in as few lines as you can for efficiency and um, ease of storytelling. But he worked, if my memory serves me correctly, I should verify this, but he worked with uh, Ralph Bashke stuff, which he was like the preeminent animator of the 70s and 80s. Okay. Um, he did... Stuff for the Hobbit. He animated, his team animated the Hobbit movie and some of the Lord of the Rings stuff. The final Lord of the Rings film. I think it was two films. The second one was, was a Bashki film. And that movie, Wizards, for those of you who saw that way back when, which is the only other thing I'd ever seen that had Mark Hamill in it other than Star Wars. So when I found out he was in it, I got so excited to see it. And it was really depressing. But I had an itch to watch that again. If I can get it, I want to watch it with you. Cool. It's hard to find, though. Anyway, so, yeah, very clean, and there's been a very explosive decompression.
1: Yep. Many, yeah.
0: Um, But fortunately, we get to see one of those strengths of Colossuses that I was talking about. Um, Cyclops commands that he plug the hole (laughs) in the hole. And, uh, Colossus does that by falling into it and just grabbing onto the edges and holding on.
1: Yeah, Nightcrawler teleports Alondra, um, over to the controls so she can try to get everything back in order. They're gonna, um, kind of like work together and kind of cut out a piece of another part of the ship so that they can plug the hole with that. So, uh, Wolverine goes, he gets sucked up, unfortunately, towards Colossus. And Colossus is like, don't worry about it. And Wolverine's like, my, my bones are made of adamantium. This is going to hurt for you, too, buddy. <laughs> and they get uh plugged. But like all of the ridiculous Danger Room sequences that you've seen the X-Men go through, <laughs> it finally pays off. <laughs> they were all leading up to this. This fantastic Paul Smith-drone moment of Cyclops like ricocheting an optic blast and blasting a piece of metal to plug the hole after Cyclops, after Colossus and Logan move.
0: Yeah, Colossus
1: slowly crawling along the walls. So then it cuts from there after all the X-Men are saved and everything gravity's, you know, back in play. They're not getting sucked out. It cuts back to mm, poolside. Poolside. Shanigans. Ladies night. Stevie huh. Hunter and Moira are taking full advantage of Wolverine's cash flow. Or Wolverine, Angel's. Angel probably paid for that pool. Yeah. He's nowhere around. He's off saving the earth, but Stevie Hunter's like, it's cool. I'll hang out here by the pool. Yeah, and we get we get the the women
0: in their bathing suits fleshed out in more than just the normal bathing suit way.
1: I gotta say though, there's the conversation that Moira and Stevie are having, they're discussing the fact that like Xavier's lost Because he fears that the X-Men are dead, Lelandra's dead, like, the woman that he loves is dead, his children are dead, he's going through this whole thing, and, like, she, Moira explains, like, Charles would give up his powers to have them back. And Stevie does this thing, which, like, I understand that her heart's in the right place, but it just makes me laugh, because, like, people are dead. And Stevie does this, like, I totally know what he means. I got bad knees and I can't be in the ballet. So I totally understand what it is to, like, have something that you love be taken away from you. And, like, I understand it, but at the same time, like, I am sh- I would hope that underneath those big 80s sunglasses that Moira is rolling the fuck out of her eyes.
0: <laughs> this is like the people on Facebook that yes. call their dogs and cats their kids.
3: Yes. So <laughs> and she- guys
0: i I don't I'm not laughing I swear I'm not laughing at you because I know like half of you do that I know because I follow you on Facebook and Twitter and, and it's not a personal attack it's just um okay, it's a personal attack cut that shit out
1: I know I post pictures of my kids I'll shut up too. So uh, then all of a sudden, as Stevie realizes that Charles is getting way more of the scene, she's like, oh, my knees, my knees, and she starts to tear up, and Moira's like, he's hunting for that me. sympathy, yeah, Sean. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so Moira walks into the room where Charles is, you know, sitting in the corner, feeling looking out the window, for feeling bad for himself, and Moira's like, hey. I got a letter here from you know, from Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. He's uh, yeah. he's met this young Vietnamese girl named—I don't know how to pronounce it. Sean. I don't think it's Sean. It is. I googled it. You did? Yeah, close okay. enough. Sean Coy Mon. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Codename Karma. Codename.
0: Yeah. I'm doing the quote thing with my fingers. Now, did, Karma. Was Karma
1: introduced in Fantastic Four?
0: She was introduced in Marvel Team-Up number 100, which to my deep regret we still have not really talked about because it's the same issue where um, they explain the relationship between Storm and Black Panther. All right. So um, I'm trying to remember who drew it. Shame on you, Jerry. This issue was drawn by none other than Frank Miller himself. And inked by Bob Wyacek. The Storm and Black Panther story was drawn by Byrne and inked by Bob McCloud. Uh, but, yeah, the Fantastic Four are called upon to check out what's going on with this karma chick with... Well,
1: Spider-Man is, and, um... So, uh... It's like, she's, you know, he's, oh, she's self-taught with her abilities, but, you know, he'd really like your help with her. She'd really like your help. And Xavier just coldly doesn't even look at her. And he just goes, no. And she says, as you wish. And Professor, like a petulant child, is like, oh, you're not gonna... Oh, okay. Like, he's almost yeah. upset that she didn't pry. Yeah. And she's like, listen, man, like, we've fought enough these past couple of weeks. You don't want to do this. I think it's stupid. Maybe I'm gonna do it. Like... I've worked with you. Maybe I'll create my own little X-Men. And she's like, or I'll find Magneto. Or maybe I'll talk to Emma Frost. Oh, ho, from the Massachusetts Academy. (laughs) And And that really sets him off. Oh, yeah. He's like, are you insane, woman? You're going to hand him over to villains, evil mutants? Who the fuck else is there, Charles? Well, you're feeling sorry for yourself. And then she really gets him, because Charles pulls the whole, you don't understand what it feels like Stevie on her bullshit. <laughs> and she's like, motherfucker, his name is Proteus, he was my kid, and if I had asked for help earlier on, maybe we wouldn't have the shit show with him that we had. And so then... And, and she, she says...
0: Oh, were you going to well, say no. it? She's The last thing she says before she walks out of the room is, one last thing, Charles, Proteus was my boy. He could have been ours. Oh, snap! So then Does she mean that, like, I don't know who his dad was, or does she mean that, like, if we stayed together, it could have been
1: ours? could be either way. Oh, my one. God. Yep.
0: Bombshell.
1: So then Charles is sitting in the darkness.
0: Trying to figure out his dates. <laughs> Let's see, the last land. time we did it was...
1: <laughs> is this going to fuck up things with the lame... I'm not sure your dad, but if she comes back, well... I hope... Hope Ileana doesn't find out. That salad was an aphrodisiac. Oh, my God. So then it cuts to a little Shiar shuttle, one of those little fun-looking bug ones. Yeah. And uh, Storm has found some cool new outfit in there, some jumpsuit. And she's like, there's an egg inside me. I got to get the fuck out of here and kill myself she starts to change in one of the creepiest sequence of panels like she starts to feel it happening those two panels on the bottom of the page where the like the long arm the tentacles are super long and like whipping behind her cuz she's mm-hmm. running so fast and she comes upon like the little ship comes upon a, a galactic core it's millions of suns crammed into a relatively tiny volume of space living stars living worlds and from each she draws spiritual and material sustenance So her, like this whole, like the power from that is able to fight off the embryo egg and turn her back in this moment. She's like, fuck it, I gotta take the chance. So she like explodes with the energy, energy, which kills the embryo, but it also leaves her out in the abyss of space, naked, naked in open space and uh, fade to black. And then on my book, Since I've got the actual issue, there is a ad for Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) No! Oh, it's a Daisy BB gun ad, and it's a dad putting his armor on a kid. But since we're into everything. (laughs) So then, uh, elsewhere on the Landra ship, you've got Landra and Cyclops hanging out, wrenching on the ship, and old Logan shows up, and he's like, listen. We're running on borrowed time. queen's back there. Let's go back and start some shit. And the was like, you know what? I'm an empress of the fucking Shi'ar Empire. I'm going to destroy every fucking last one of them while I still draw breath. Their lives are mine. And Wolverine's like, sounds good to me. And then Cyclops, in a rare turn for him, which I thought was awesome, was like, me too. God help us all
0: you know as an aside not to take away from the gravity of the moment but um there's that panel of Lelandra in profile
1: yeah
0: that reminds me of chris anka yeah and i <laughs> i feel like i feel super stupid saying this but i sort of feel like his style is the paul smith of this time right yeah. now like he is the the guy that's doing what Paul Smith was doing here.
1: That's awesome. I'll have to, when I read some more Enka stuff, I will have to, uh, pay attention, pay closer attention. I don't know. Good call, buddy. I don't, I mean, I don't know. No, I can see it. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, he has got that, that, that same look, clean like, animation
0: yeah. style and, and, um, because, and he also comes from an animation background. But, um, yeah, I mean, just that panel in particular really emphasizes the similarity yeah in their style, and you know Anka's a young guy still, and he's still kind of growing into his own thing, but um I see a little bit of an influence there. I've never heard him mention it but
1: but yeah, maybe one day we'll have him on the show and we can ask him.
0: I would love to talk to him about it. he's a super nice guy, yeah, super nice, and he. Name drop. He was really nice to Chloe when we met him at well, that's Heroes cool. Con. Yeah, like that. If you want to make a good impression on me, that's an easy way to do it.
1: Oh, I know, because there's a there's a famous artist out there who made a bad impression.
0: <laughs> Never gonna forgive him.
1: I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, Wolverine is walking through the spaceship, and he comes upon uh, Nightcrawler who is praying, and they have this really. Interesting conversation about, like, Nightcrawler's faith versus Wolverine's, um, like, he's basically just Wolverine's, like, I don't believe in anything other than what's tangible and what I can get my hands on, Mm -hmm. and, um, Nightcrawler says, I've never realized how utterly, inescapably alone you must be with nothing to hold on to but yourself, more alone than I, despite my outer appearance, could ever be. And then Wolverine's like, I ain't alone, bub, I got you. Let's go find some brews in this place. And that's the thing that I always loved about the relationship and the reason why I was happy that Kurt was the one who was best friends with him because, and I like the fact that Kurt was the one with Faith because their relationship was this really like, the way that people look at people with Faith and and unfortunately the way that people with Faith act nowadays is that they would be instantaneously judgmental of Logan. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that the angle played there is that Kurt's like, nope deep down in his heart, he's a good guy and I'm going to stick it out because one day he's going to see it. And I want to be there when he does. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect of the relationship that there's no like night crawler doesn't judge him. He's just like, you got it. You'll figure it out one day, man. Like you're not the lone, like you're not the animal that everybody says that you are like in one day we're going to get you there. And I think now, like, it's one of the reasons why I'm anti the whole death of Wolverine thing is I think we've finally reached the point where, like, he's given up on the animal side and, you know. Let's kill him for some $5 comics.
0: What game is that? The What's Video system?
1: Action Game Cartridge.
0: That Dude, that's for Part- Atari 2600. Yep. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen that game.
1: Looks cool. Holy hantage, high volt, holy hanna, high voltage beams.
0: <laughs> Man, Sean, you missed out. I did. I
1: had Atari in my house. When I was a wee lad. You probably never played it though. Very little. Cause I was, when this comic came out... Oh boy. Well, it says that it was published in January of 1983, so I would have been... Two and a half months old. Yeah. So then Kitty cuts to Kitty's cabin where she's asleep and she's having a nightmare that she is at a funeral. And when her parents walk her up to the casket to pay her last respects, she looks and it's her body. And she starts to transform into a brood, another very creepy brood that wraps the tentacles around her she can't phase and it's dragging her into the coffin. And I, man, when I was a kid this is gonna sound so fucking weird but I couldn't um, I couldn't sleep on my back because I was convinced that someone would come into my room, see me asleep on my back, think that I was dead and bury me
0: whoa
1: yeah, I used to have nightmares about being buried alive all the fucking time (laughs) so this particularly fucks me up so Kitty startles herself awake screams no and uh, Colossus is right there and this is a big moment that we're about to have you want to take this one away there, Jerry? Oh, man. No. So, I don't know. They they go through the whole... I don't know, man. Because, like, Colossus, like, he's sitting there, and he's like, oh, you had a bad dream? And she's like, yeah, I just, you know, this is, like, a terrible nightmare that I just had, except reality's actually even worse. And, um, you know colossus is like hey we could talk about it and she immediately pulls afraid and he's like kitty it's okay to be afraid and she's like i'm not afraid and she's like i just i don't want to die and peter kind of laughs and he's like well who does like nobody wants to die and she's like this isn't time for jokes like this is real this is happening to us and colossus is like it's either laugh or cry like we're not gonna i'm not gonna allow these monsters to like watch me cry and she's like, you don't understand. Like, and they go through this whole really kind of interesting story about just her she's freaking out because she knows that at any moment she could turn into one of those and it's more that she could bear. And she she's mostly concerned about the fact that she doesn't know like it's the un, it's the fear of the unknown. Like when they turn into a brood, or is she still gonna know that she's kitty? Is she still gonna know that her parents are in Chicago somewhere, worried about whether she's alive? She's like, because that'd be worse than death. Like turning into a brood, fucking sucks. But turning into a brood that's aware that you used to be a hero and a kid mm-hmm. and in love and had friends, like f- f- fuck that shit. It's like Daniel Day Lewis in My Left Foot, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? I do. So, so then they go through um the whole thing and um. She's like, gee, I wish I was older. Wink. Nudge. And Colossus is like, so do I. And they go, you're fooling, right? It's the whole flirtatious thing. And then Colossus is like, well, if we're going to be turned into creepy bugged aliens, I might as well go for it. No. No, he says no. Well, he does kiss her, but then he's like, you got to be old He says,
0: however, you are not older.
1: Yeah. And this is not the time or the place. The proper time or place.
0: He wants to, but right. he can't because she's not old enough.
1: Yeah, but then what happens is,
0: but when he's whisked away to Secret Wars land, it's a whole different ballgame.
1: What cracks me up is Kitty's like looking over her shoulder as they're hugging and she sees something and she's like, look. And Colossus rips <laughs> over his shirt. <laughs> oh, I'll look. I was just like, dude, you're like, settle yeah. down 14 year old. We can't do this. I'm going to rip off my shirt and show off my muscly chest. Look
0: at this. This is what you're missing out on, little girl. Better grow
1: up faster. And what do we see? But the creepy Dracula-esque storm from a few issues ago with kind of a light around her and a weird aura. And Colossus goes up to her. And he starts to explain, like, you look like a vampire. And he puts her hand through her and she goes away. And then it cuts to Wolverine. And Nightcrawler sitting in the kitchen area of the ship. And I love this. I love this because they're drinking. Okay. Uh huh. And I love that the vision of Storm that those two see is the Savage Land yes. torn up costume Storm. Yes. All of a sudden as she disappears, Nightcrawler and Logan are like, I don't feel drunk. <laughs> <laughs> And then night or storm suddenly reappears as an as a small child, like she was in Cairo. And so they start to realize, like, holy shit, there's something going on, we gotta get the others. So they run into the room with Cyclops and Lalandra. Colossus and Kitty are already there. And they're like, Holy shit, we just saw Storm Two. And so they start to go through that. And then what I thought was really cool is the final storm that appears to them is the sorceress storm. From Limbow. Yeah. And she's like, I'm trying to reach you guys. It's more difficult than I imagined, so I'm going through all these phases of how she's appeared to them. And you know where I, uh, else
0: we see this, Storm? Is in, um, and our friend Baron Strucker might appreciate this, but Storm returns to Africa and has a run-in with uh, Andrea and Andreas Strucker mm-hmm. where they shoot her and crease her skull. That she's wearing this very outfit drawn by John Romita. Awesome. I think.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to getting there. Yeah. But right now, we're gonna revel for as long as we possibly can in the glory of Paul Martin Smith. God damn, he's so good. I So then shame,
0: (laughs) shame though to the colorist who for several consecutive pages gives Cyclops black hair.
1: Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. No, it's true. So then Lilantra looks out like while everyone else is enamored by sorceress Storm, she looks out, she's like, Holy shit, our ship's about to get swallowed whole by this Akante ship. And Cyclops is like, well full power to the engines, man. Let's punch our holes through this ship. And Storm's like don't take a chill pill. Yep. She's appeared
0: in her normal form finally.
1: Yep. And she explains that she and the Akante are one. And so now they're resting in the Akante ship. And when you finish this, you're like, oh, man. You flip to the last page of the issues, and you're like, in 30 days, the X-Men's final confrontation with the brood, wherein they'll either live free or die. Goosebumps! Like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And then, on the other page, there's a full-page ad for a graphic novel by Chris Claremont and Bob McCloud, The New Mutants, coming this fall to a comic store near you. Holy shit, dude. How pumped were you as a kid? Well, this is
0: before, uh, this is before. So, um, Alan, how pumped were you as a kid? Right. Alan's got to tell us. And then following that is the next, the next chapter yeah. in the Dungeons and Dragons serial ad that, that we talked about before. Hell yeah. But, um, more importantly is that new mutants joint. Cause that was huge, man. That, that's a game changer.
1: Yeah. It's exciting.
0: And that is the actual cover of the book.
1: Yes. And I love it.
0: And I can't wait to get to those issues. that
1: going be awesome. X-Men! Now we are up to Uncanny X-Men, double-sized issue, number 166, which has possibly my favorite picture of Lalandra. Hell yeah. That cover is awesome. Like... Colossus, is, his costume's all tattered. He's lifting a brood. And it's... I can't... I mean, it could be the way that it's drawn, but doesn't it look like his hand is actually busted through the bottom of that brood's jaw and he's oh, in yeah. the throat of the brood yeah, a little through bit. the bottom of its jaw?
0: That took some thought, though, man. Props to Smith because, I mean, he looked at that thing and he was like, All right. So this thing's all bulbous, like wh- what are the good points to grab onto this
1: thing?
0: Yeah. Is part of the composition. And, and the narrow thing. points are the stinger at one end and the neck at the other. And it's got its, its, um, its tendrils like coiled around his arms. Like when he throws that thing. <laughs> Yeah. It's not gonna go very far because it's holding on to him. Either that, or its arms are gonna come off. I just
1: figured it was gonna go like this and pull it apart, and <gasps> split it into. Oh, that would be even better. He's gonna give the old arcade game sound effect and just <laughs> and rip that bad boy in part. Man, I-, I love that Lelandra has a fucking lightsaber.
0: Yes, her energy sword, as she calls it. Um, there's a guy who goes around and commissions artists to do. Famous images, and I forget what he calls it. It's like five seconds later or a minute later or something like that, but he has artists draw like this cover oh, what that's what's awesome. going on like a short time after that.
1: That's awesome. Isn't it cool? That's a really good idea. Really? Yeah. It's really cool. Well, I know where Jerry's kids' college education <laughs> is going to now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would love to meet that dude though, and I've looked for his collection on um, uh the Comic Art Fans website, which is my new favorite website. And I get almost all of our stuff that we post on our Tumblr page, which you should check out.
1: You don't tell them where you get it from, because then they'll just go there and they won't go to our Tumblr page. Oh, Come on, Jerry! Shit. But
0: yeah, visit our Tumblr page, because it's great, man. Sean puts a lot of work into that page, and you should enjoy it.
1: <laughs> I do not. That was, that was a dig.
0: Let's get into this bad boy.
1: Yep. So, going on here? it opens up with binary, we finally catch up to her, and there's a double page splash page of her fucking up the brood's world. Yeah, oh
0: man, everything about the brood's world is just creepy. It's, it's like the biggest <laughs> insect nest that you've ever seen, and I just want it all destroyed.
1: Yeah. So she's flying through there. Messing everything up. The brood are freaking out about it because clearly they've run into some power that they can't quite, you know. She's a little out of their league. And um, she stumbles upon one of the Akante ships kind of like anchored to their world. Mm-hmm. And she, uh the thing is like shrieking and um, Binary kind of reaches out to it and telepathically, the Akante ship is just, basically tells her to kill it. That it can't get free, that nothing that she can do can get the ship free. And so binary, she's like, the brood have killed my friends and now like I have to kill you because of what the brood have done, like no more. Yeah. I'm gonna go fuck him up. It's pretty sad. There's an episode of Doctor Who where like um like he lands on this planet where they're the the way that they're keeping it afloat is it's on the back of this like space whale. Mm-hmm. and it's like they're torturing it oh. to fucking... And the the thing is, the part that like bums it out is that like the thing that the people that are torturing it don't understand is what it's actually saying is like, I'd just, I'd carry your city on my back. Just quit fucking with me. Like, just stop it. Just, I'll, I'll continue to do it. I don't have a problem doing it. Just quit fucking poking me. So uh binary runs into like an, uh, the... What The projection of Storm from the Akante thing. And uh, they fly into the ship. And Storm's like, hey, come on. She shows him the
0: way ship. She tells her to fly in and she says, trust me, Carol, I won't bite. Yeah. It, as they fly into the mouth of this Akante, and, and Carol's like, I won't bite. And then Storm shows her this embryo growing on the, the sidewall of the Akante's mouth. And it's a fleshless humanoid being. It's Storm's body being slowly regrown.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So then they uh, run into the other X-Men, kind of explain what's happening. And Storm basically explains, like, listen, like, I know that you guys want to go there, and, like, as the last-ditch effort of what the X-Men are doing, like, do you really want a legacy to be killing all the brood? Or do you want it to be what it's meant to be? Like, we're going to save the Akanti. We're going to go there, we're going to fuck up the brood, but we're going to save these poor, helpless slave ships. Which is pretty fucking terrible, what the brood have done. Like, it makes them in the rogues' gallery of X-Men and even Marvel villains one of the worst.
0: Yeah, one of the absolute worst. And um, here's where for me it took a really interesting turn i think i mentioned this earlier today in a text but um they she lays out like how they got to this point between the brood and the akanti like how they how the the akanti used to live where they had this uh, what does she call it the um there's like a uh, the prophet singer yes who's who's their leader and they they um so these are, uh, space-bearing whales and they, they have the ability to travel faster than light and, um, and they communicate like whales by song. And it's like a heartbreakingly beautiful song according to Storm. So this prophet singer is the one that kind of leads them and tells them, you know, what kind of shit they should be doing. And the brood figure this out and they capture it and they tether it to their home world and it dies. But typically, when the the Prophet Singer dies, its spirit is released, and it's like the Dalai Lama, like its spirit passes on to the next Prophet Singer who becomes the new leader. But its spirit, it, its soul is trapped in this decomposing corpse of an Akanti on this one planet. And the X-Men are like, that's the one that we were on! Uh, but the interesting thing about it is that Storm describes the akanti is like a force of light and the the brood is a force of darkness and the way she describes it as i was reading it i was like holy shit 1982 this is the fucking dark crystal this is the dark crystal like the, the only difference is that the the brood and the akanti were not split from one being right but the the rest of the idea is pretty much the same and so here's another example of Claremont like Grabbing something awesome from pop culture and weaving it into the X Men.
1: Yeah, and it's saying that um, that that um, Akante the the Soul One that you're discussing gave a premature birth.
0: Yes, to and, save the baby when it was captured, yes. right?
1: And that the the ship that um they're on right now, that Storm bonded to, the reason it was able to survive. Is because it bonded to Storm. Right. And her powers and will are keeping the premature baby alive.
0: It's, she's acting kind of like the brain for the baby because his brain is not developed enough to like, look for food and remember to breathe and shit like that.
1: So now they start, the X-Men are like, you know what? This is a way better plan. Let's rescue some shit while we do this. Like that's way more the X-Men's way. So they start to full on put together a, uh, plan. And I like this Paul Smith Cyclops. Like, he looks like he should be the leader. Like, it reminds me of the Pride of the X-Men cartoon, where he's voiced by Duke from G.I. (laughs) Joe. And so, Cyclops is kind of, like, up Logan's ass in this, and kind of acting a little bit... Like, he starts to get pissed, basically, because he's just like, you're fine. So, and, And Wolverine... I mean, what Wolverine's saying is he makes sense. He's like, listen... Me, Storm, and Carol are the only ones that I can trust, because at any moment you guys could turn into Brood, yeah. which is just facts. But Cyclops is not taking it very well.
0: No, he's which offended. Like,
1: Why don't you just kill us now, then, Logan? Like, which I think is kind of shitty, as Scott, because it's like, hey, man, like you're a leader and you're supposedly this like born tactician, mm-hmm. like that rivals Captain America, and you can't figure out. That technically Logan has a point.
0: I don't understand what Scott's problem is. I mean, Logan is saying, let's split up. That's Scott's thing. Yeah. Splitting up is Scott's thing. Like, he should be ejaculating in the cabin as Logan is saying these words. He should be so excited.
1: Yep. So right as Wolverine, like he's like, fine. And he pops out his claws. I like the fact that it was Kitty that kind of came in between the two of them, separated them, and was like, absolutely not. Like, we're a family. We're sticking this out, like if being an X Men means anything to anyone, this is how we prove it. Like we gotta do this, and so that's when it's, they, uh,
0: it's the smallest and the youngest of them doing it, and and nobody emphasizes how young and how tiny Kitty is, like PMS does. Yeah. She is, she's a full eight inches shorter than Wolverine in one of these panels. <laughs> like she, if they. He always, um, juxtaposes her against Colossus. Like he always puts her standing in front of Colossus and she's virtually half his height.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but she's got the balls to stand up to these guys. Like she doesn't take any shit from them. She's 14 years old and she's like,
1: no, I'm going to tell you what's right.
2: Yeah.
1: I dig that about her. It's pretty awesome. So then, like, they're in the ship, they go into the world, it's pretty cool, like, the way that Paul Martin does the whole movement of the ship, like, all of a sudden the ship is going one way, and then it just jerks upwards, and, like, when you see the inside yeah. of the them in the Landra's ship, like, everybody's kind of turned sideways and holding on, it's pretty awesome. So then, the Landra's in her battle armor, which looks cool as hell, and they uh, get ready to go, to take on the brood, they get on their little transporter beams... Kitty makes a energized Scotty beam us down <laughs> joke. None of them get it. Yeah.
0: Which makes me wonder, does Star Trek actually exist in I'm this universe? Like sure is that does, an actual but... TV show and they're just too old not to recognize it or is it a breaking down the fourth wall? It might be a joke. little too busy because to it's
1: Cyclops who says, what are you saying Kitty?
0: Yeah. They're actually thinking about work.
1: Yeah. And now she chooses to be 14. Yeah. So then you can see all the brood getting ready for the battle that's coming. They explain to the queen that the X-Men are in the catacombs. And for anyone who's, who's regretful that Cockrum
0: sounded on the, on the book anymore because he drew, drew the brood in such a great way. Smith is no slouch. Yeah.
1: Just the whole team looks cool. And I really love in this, this whole battle, like I like Lilandra being a part of it. Yeah. Like the armor looks so cool. And I like the fact that she's like a leader that's willing to, uh, you know, get her hands dirty.
0: For those of a certain age, her suit sort of looks like the guys from Silverhawks. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I'm guessing we would, would probably have appeared on TV for the first time no more than th- Three or four years after this. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Kitty's? She's got another new costume. It's basically her old costume, but the boots and gloves are a little different. And now she's got a yellow X on her forehead.
1: I think it's the best one that she's got so far. Yeah. I wouldn't really want to put an X on my forehead, but that's a terrible idea. X marks the spot, villains. Yeah. Shoot here. So then Binary goes up and she, uh, she starts blasting the whole hell out of stuff to create the diversion. Did you notice in
0: the, in the Akanti ship, like in the cockpit, the brood are sitting on these pillars? When I first looked at them, I was like, why would they choose there to sit? But looking at the way Smith drew yeah. them, they're like coiled around it. It's like the perfect place for a brood to sit. It looks like the worst possible chair ever for a human. Right. But for, designed for a brood, it's perfect.
3: Yeah.
0: And binary is fucking some shit up. Yep. Yeah. She vaporizes another Akanti,
1: which is sad. But there were a lot of brood in there, so it was good. Yeah. So in the catacombs, the X-Men are running around. Everything just looks really cool. Like, these are definitely issues. Like, if you're like, oh, you know, I understand the whole recap thing, like, you should really be checking them out because Paul Smith draws the hell out of these.
0: This is like one of those uh movies or, or comics where... Um the Fantastic Four shrink themselves down to go yeah. into somebody's body to, to heal whatever is infecting them. This is the same thing. It's just a giant whale instead of a person.
1: Right? So, um, kitty phases through one of the walls and she lands in a nest of brood eggs and brood skeletons. And the skeletons look creepy as hell.
0: I wish that Alan was sitting here with us right now because he would be squeeing. So hard, because in the last panel of this page you get to see the fang and the eye and a silhouette of a head of one of the best X-Men characters of all time. Yep, Lockheed.
1: So then, uh, Binary's still outside. She's getting attacked pretty hard by the, uh, brood in their little shark ships. And, uh, all of a sudden there's a, uh, shift in warp space and out bust the Star Jammer. Yes!
0: Like the Millennium Falcon at the end of A New Hope, man. They just they, there's two there's a little panel where you just see like one little bit of Raza's face and and uh Corsair's elbow and they have a little conver- conversation like we've detected them. Alright, let's do it. And then BAM!
2: Yeah.
1: They saved the day, man. <gasps> <laughs> so then it cuts back to Cyclops and Wolverine fighting in the catacombs. And uh Cyclops is acting really weird. Yeah, and he's given some bad advice. And so Wolverine all of a sudden, you know, clotheslines him in his chest. And uh Wolverine or Cyclops is he like, "He says if what? I could
0: only catch his scent, that would clinch my suspicions." Bingo.
2: Yeah.
1: And Wolverine clotheslines him, and Cyclops is like, What are you doing, madman? I'm not the enemy. And Wolverine rips off his visor to reveal the creepy cobra commander bug-eyes. Yes! Yes, dude! And in the next panel, on the next page, which is even cooler, like, for the first time ever, because of the eyes, you see Cyclops blast Logan and Colossus, but it's coming out of, like, the eyes separately. Right! And it's the first time you don't see, like, the unibeam. He shoots two different beams. Oh, so creepy. And then, um, cuts to another part, where the brood are sneaking up behind the and Nightcrawler, and they zap him in the back. So everybody's out cold. Except for Kitty.
0: Except for Kitty, who's got an entire squadron of brood closing in on her and she's got no place left to go. She can't phase anymore because she's run out of steam. Yep. Yeah. And they've got her in their clutches when, by the
1: black nebula, one of them shouts. Oh my god, that's such a cool panel. Like that mouth wide open, like the, it's like the first time I think you see a brood honestly in terror. Yeah. Is right there, like it is freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And when you turn the page, it is Lockheed. In a, uh oh, dude, this is ah,
0: oh, this is one of the best pages in any X Men book ever. You have no idea what's going on exactly at this point. This is fully awesome because of um, hindsight. Yes. You know, like it. it I'm sure it would have been cool to read this new. We didn't get the chance to, but um, and we'll have to be sure to ask some of our guests, some of our elder statesman guests to comment on this page, but um, Lockheed <laughs> roars, rears his head and roars, and <laughs> one of the brood shouts, flee, brothers! And they try to fly away, but he absolutely vaporizes them to carbon with a stunned Kitty pride looking on at the end. And it Reminds me a little bit of the look on her face when she finds Colossus still alive. I'm not going to cry again. (laughs) (laughs) But um, after vaporizing him in such a fierce way, he has a little smile on his face and he flies with a little flippity-flappity of his tiny little wings right up to Kitty. Yep. And they instantly hit it off, but it's just for one panel before um, the brood show up again and a brood tries to shoot her and he blasts a hole in the wall and this bright light comes out of the wall it's like um, when they open the briefcase in Pulp Fiction Fiction. (laughs) and like and the brood is like don't walk into the light but they can't help themselves and Kitty's like it's so beautiful there's no pain only music and uh, there's just a silhouette of her and the brood walking side by side into this light. And uh, they disappear into the ra- the blinding radiance. And seconds later, the silence is broken by a scream.
1: End of that scene. Wonder what happened there, guys. And then it cuts to all the captured X-Men and Lalandra being held prisoner by the brood. Oh, and... Uh, That's uh, so awesome, though, because Cyclops starts to, like, double over in pain.
0: Because he's starting to undergo the transformation. But then he fights back!
1: No, the the, the optic blasts are out of control. When he falls over, he can't control the optic blast. So he accidentally blasts the other brood in the face. And as it's doing that, Wolverine's like, fuck it. And jumps right into the beam. So that, like, it blasts Wolverine to holy hell. But it destroys the manacles that are, like holding them tight.
0: Yeah, they've got these things that like wrap around their entire torso and their arms, keeping their arms pinned down. That's gone. Yeah.
1: And so now Wolverine is, is beat up. free to punch Cyclops in the face, which he has been waiting a very long time for.
0: <laughs> this is payback for issue number whatever that was.
2: Yeah.
0: When Tons Cyclops got this. <laughs>
1: So now Wolverine is holding Cyclops, and he's got his hand pressed up against the eye of the queen. Yeah. And he looks at all the other brood, and he's like, drop the weapons, creeps, or she dies. And they do. Yep. And they release all the X-Men. And then Kitty comes through the
0: light. Yeah, she walks back out of the hole in the wall. And um, she is cured of her embryo. Yeah. And here's where I think we start to see... He's, he's still figuring out how he wants to draw Kitty, but, um, she's gorgeous in these panels. Like, uh, everything about this page is just awesome, man. Um, he, she and, and Colossus are reunited. Uh, we get to see Lilandra threatening the queen with her energy blade and she, uh, Kitty announces that she's cured of this of the embryo, right? At this point. And then... Oh, maybe not. But she tells everybody that they need to go check out this room. And it's this big crystal room that's just got light coming from everywhere. And they walk inside and they're like, this is wonderful. And Colossus notices that there's this inky blackness coming out from any spot where the queen touches it. And the queen laughs sinisterly that she's corrupting the room. But not only her... The X-Men are doing it too, the ones that have the,
1: the, brood in them. the
0: brood in them. And then she stabs Wolverine in the back, literally. But he cuts her stinger off. Yep. And then everybody starts to transform.
1: Including Kitty.
0: Including Kitty. So she did not get rid of the embryo at this point. And Wolverine's like, well, this is the moment I've been dreading. Now is the time i got to gut them all. But Binary shows up and pulls him out. And he's like, what are you doing? And she says, I know what I'm doing, trust me. But then she frees the dead Akanti's soul. Yep. Releasing it to go back to the new... The Soul Singer. The thing? Soul Singer, and it and it says in the last panel on the page, the Akanti are at last free. Yep. So they've succeeded.
1: So then everybody's back in the room. It's no longer crystal, but all the crystal is around encasing the brood.
0: Yeah, the brood queen is just a big crystalline statue of a brood queen. And Ooh. then looked not very happy about it
1: when you turn the page in the issue there is an ad for a movie that is coming this Christmas to a theater near you
0: what's it called
1: the dark crystal which means Claremont couldn't have seen it (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you might be right maybe you read a script or was it based on a book I don't know never saw I thought that was interesting.
0: That is interesting. I wish I had known that. That's okay. But, uh, my version doesn't have the ads in it. So, uh, the Star Jammers have the X-Men who are slowly healing up and we get to see Corsair again.
1: Right. And uh we get... There's we, a big... Re- Everybody's excited. They're pumped up. They're reunited. Aurora's back. Like, everything's Yeah, she cool. comes walking in in her body. Yeah. Unexpectedly. And Wolverine says, "Uh, I hate to spoil things on people, but it ain't over yet. And Cyclops is like, what do you mean? The queen was the last of it. And Wolverine's like, before she died, the queen ro- boasted about another royal embryo, one that directly threatened the earth itself. I figure there's only one person who could be hosting it.
0: Charles Xavier. Xavier, To be concluded in 30 days as the X-Men meet the New Mutants in the Goldilocks Syndrome. Which has got to be a burn. Yeah. (laughs) Professor X. But Sean, we've had a crisis here trying to decide whether or not we should talk about this next issue because it is the final issue in this saga. But it is also the first appearance of the New Mutants in... The Uncanny X Men, and we are going to be talking about the New Mutants very soon. So we are trying to decide whether or not we should talk about this issue. So, okay, so we have decided we are going to go ahead and talk about this one.
1: Right. We're not going to go too in depth about who the New Mutants are because we kind of want to save that for a New Mutants. Yeah, spectacular. Yep.
0: But uh, this is now uh, Uncanny X Men number one sixty-seven by Claremont Smith and wirecheck again yeah and it opens on those very same new mutants who are watching magnum pi yeah in the newly constructed uh oh shit Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters god damn it professor charles xavier school for gifted youngsters ah paul smith makes them all look awesome he does the x-men burst into the mansion oh my god that's such a cool double page spread yeah you got colossus breaking down a door with an optic blast Cyclops, I'm sorry, and the Colossus smashing in through a window, and Nightcrawler teleporting in, popcorns flying everywhere, and the New Mutants are like, "What did
1: we sign up for?" And and right now, Angel's getting a Google alert on his phone. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck, I gotta buy a door and a window <laughs> and a
0: wall because Cannonball blasts Colossus right through the wall."
1: Yep.
0: Fortunately, I'm invulner. I'm invulnerable, he says, and uh. Cyclops is a total dick to these poor kids who have no idea what's going on, and Kitty takes the opportunity to sneak upstairs and look for Professor X while this is all going on. Karma is, for the first time in her life, unable to um, possess someone because Wolverine's will is too strong. He says, Lady, get out of my head! And Kitty finds Professor X asleep at his desk, wishing that Jean were still here. Yeah. Um and she hesitates. They they go there with the intention of killing him. Why they can't try to save him like they did
1: the rest of them, who knows, but um I she, think the idea of a brood queen having Xavier's abilities is probably enough to push them over the edge into killing her.
0: Yeah, you don't want a super villain with Professor X's ability. You don't because it's really going to fuck stuff up. It's going to fuck shit up a lot. Which uh is probably why we're seeing that happen yeah. in Uncanny Avengers and Axis. But Kitty hesitates momentarily, and uh Professor X tells her that will cost her, and she shoots, but maybe it's too late. Um the X Men don't really waste much time taking out the new mutants. I like- Nightcrawler, Ash and Karma, and Danielle Moonstar's heads together. I saw that, and I was reminded of a time when I did that in fourth grade to two kids sitting in front of me. Oh, that's awesome. And our, we had a little... We were having, like, circle time.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh I bonk They were my two best friends. I bonked our heads together. And I didn't get to take something out of the grand bag because of it. Aww. Oh. It was the worst day ever because
1: it was the dumbest thing I ever did. And it, so, anyway. So, Kitty gets blasted out of the door of Xavier's office. Cyclops screams for her. Nightcrawler and Wolverine try to lunge for her, but it's too late. She lands on the floor on the bottom level. And Wolverine... And, and Xavier wheels out.
2: <laughs>
1: and in some of the creepiest... Like, it's creepy. Xavier starts talking to him, and then he lurches forward, and you see the suit coat on his back kind of split, and the two wings like rip through and pop open as his like hands and head start to change. It's terrifying. And Wolverine, and Cyclops and Nightcrawler are looking on in shock. And then his face changes and it's it's the fucking creepiest brood ever. Yeah. Colossus tries to punch him out. He Runs into the the yard fighting him. Think whips Colossus at Wolverine.
0: Into a tree, so Colossus has smashed yet another tree.
1: Yeah, that's a trope officially.
0: Oh yeah. Um, but when Colossus goes flying, um, I love this. Like Wolverine, just, it just shows how slick he is. He jumps onto Colossus as he's flying towards him and pushes off of him yeah, to hurl him towards the Brood. It's so cool, man. Like he's he's just so fluid.
1: I love it. Karma tries to possess the Brood, Xavier. It possesses mind, but it just um kind of feedbacks into her. Yeah. She is
0: not the telepath that Charles Xavier yeah. is. Uh but he's wounded because Wolverine's chopped his stinger off and this queen has gone running. But she runs into Binary and Storm. Oh yeah. Who drop her. And um uh, Colossus steps in before they can deliver the coup de grace. and says we Cyclops. Ah do that every time and says uh, we can't kill him. We've got to figure out a way to help him. Any objections? And Wolverine says lots. <laughs> and everyone else. And like and Storm says the, none.
1: I like the fact that the Cannonball and Daniel Moonstar are clearly like enamored with yeah, so Cyclops like, at this point. So that's
0: Cyclops. Wow. They, at this point, Professor X and the New Mutants all think that the X-Men are dead. They've
1: never seen them in action
0: before. And they've just put on a show.
1: Yeah. So now the X-Men are up in the Starjammer in Earth's orbit, and, uh, Sikorsky, the little med <laughs> bay thing, and, and then- uh, The talk. Yeah. And Moira come out, and, uh. Yes. Um, oh, so, so Moira thinks that Sikorsky can take, um, tissue samples from when Charles was last aboard the Starjammer and clone him a new body, and then transplant his mind from one into the other.
0: Right. I got a little goose tingly. Goosebumps from that when, when I read that because that was the, that was my professor X as a kid was him in the clone body still trying to figure out how to use it. You know, the legs not, well, we'll get to that. Um, and then there's a moment where, uh, Peter's reunited with Ileana and they're waking up kitty and Storm is watching on being like, I always knew this moment would come where she would find somebody else that she loves more than me, uh, but it still hurts. So that moment's going on, but then Nightcrawler swoops in
2: yeah. after
0: she finds him on the, the deck uh, looking out into space and he uh, charms the pants off of her.
1: Yeah, and the, and the new mutants are looking around all excited because they can see so much from the uh, little Earth's orbit thing. It's got to be a cool moment for them. Man, Uh, being a new mutant is great. This is always going to be awesome. Nothing bad's going to happen. Nothing bad's ever going to happen. And Nightcrawler's talking to Storm and he asks, you know, he's like a little bit worried about the new kids accepting him because of the way that he looks, which is, um, unfortunate that he's kind of got to be put back in that position. But she assures him that like, hey, kitty got over it and so soon will they. And then you have a great moment between, um, Cyclops and his dad Corsair. Yeah. And they're talking about what's gonna happen and, and uh, so. Scott asks
0: if, if he'll stay on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be tough. <laughs> uh, Corsair tells him there's, there really isn't much of a place in the world for him anymore and that he sought out his wife's parents, but they were gone. Um, but his parents were still there. And he asks Scott if Scott wants to go meet his grandparents. And Scott's got this look on his face, like you could see that he's fighting back tears. But he's like, I have grandparents? Like it never, never occurred to him that he had family. Yeah. And, uh, and so they hug.
1: Yeah. And then Raza and Gladiator come in and interrupt that
0: moment. And they've, they've brought a visitor.
1: Yeah. That
0: buzzkill gladiator who demands to see his princess, Lelandra, and um, he he lets her know that the Deathbird has taken over the Shi'ar Empire, and um, and worse news that Galactus has recently been to Earth oh. and he came there to die, but <laughs> but Reed Richards and his infinite wisdom stepped in. And saved him. Yeah. And, and Lalandra crushes the glass she had been holding yeah. in fury and says that meddling, unmitigated fool in one of Orzakowski's better word books. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um and she busts in, in uh a in a holographic projection. projection into Reed Richard's bedroom and we see he and Sue Storm's naked and asleep. Uh, and she tells them that now anything that Galactus ever does is on Reed Richards' head. And if, if she des- destroys, if Galactus destroys another world, um, Richards will be accounting for it. And then they cut back and Professor X comes out in his new fancy 90's style hover chair, hover chair. And stands
1: up! Zemeckis! <laughs> <laughs> Zemeckis. That motherfucker. <laughs> Lie to all of us.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, God.
0: But he, he immediately falls down again. because yeah, he, And he explains that um, he had developed this psychosomatic block where he's having trouble. His, his mind is having trouble accepting that that he can walk again. His body is a hundred percent, but his mind is blocking it and then he says finally that um, he's decided that now that they have the new mutants and Kitty is back and she's alive, her place is with the new mutants because she's while well, she's proven she's capable of being an X-Men, it's too dangerous. She still knows too little about the limits of her powers and it's safer for her to be X, a new Mutant, and his decision is final. Next issue, Kitty's Reaction, or Professor Xavier is a Jerk. And if you don't know that reference, you're not an X-Men fan, folks. Yep. But that brings us to the end of this episode. It's Saturday. Sean and I have places to be and things to do. It has been a pleasure bringing the show to you again.
1: Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you very much.
1: We'll be back with some really cool stuff.
0: Oh, man. I'm so excited for the next few episodes. You don't even know. We are really getting into the meat now of the shit that is, like, in my heart, loved. But until then, goodbye. there so I can edit that two beers coursing through my veins there's about to be an explosive decompression this episode has been brought to you by cry for the moon productions
3: cry for the moon